What's up, guys? Right here with the fourth episode of the Prime Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Marquez, and here joining me is Pete, Tony, and Blake, your three co-hosts. Um, we're going to dive right into the biggest news of the week. It was a very crazy week as far as our top five, ten teams in our power rankings. A lot of good matchups, but most notably is the Vikings win over the Buffalo Bills in one that I predicted that the Vikings would win regardless of Josh Allen played or not. Um, I believe Tony picked them. We all picked them if Josh Allen didn't play, but even though they played, um, the Vikings come out in an overtime thriller where they were down, they came back. Tony, what did you think of the game? And... What impressed you the most out of your Minnesota Vikings against the Bills this past weekend? Yeah, um, that was an emotional game uh, for everybody here in Minnesota. All my friends, I mean, between everything I saw on Twitter, between watching the game, all my friends in my group chat, just, oh, my God, what the fuck? Um, just at every turn, especially in that fourth quarter, uh, with so many reviews, so many potentially missed penalties, missed calls, missed reviews. Um, it, it was emotional, um, you know, but it was emotional in the good kind of way. If the Vikings would have lost that game, I would have been more pissed off than how I would have felt if we lost with the halftime score at 24-10 there. Um, but what I'm really the most impressed about this team is how the key players make key plays and key moments doesn't matter how up or down the team is. They find a way to win these games. They're 7-0 and in one-score games this year. A huge improvement over 6-8 and last year. Um, so, you know, the Vikings defense came out to play with four turnovers despite putting letting them put up 30 points on the board. Uh, Patrick Peterson with two of those uh, turnovers. Man, all I can say is you like that. You like that because I fucking love that. <laughs> that was a phenomenal experience. I can't believe that the Vikings pulled it down. I was talking to Pete and Blake because Steve was AFK. I said, GG. I remember I texted GG. We were all I, I we were all like, man, well, you know, it, it, at least they tried. Like, uh, it's the Bills. They're still going to be 7-2, and two, but we're 8-1 and one right now. Um you know, a lot of the football world doesn't respect the Vikings. They don't respect Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to not disrespect a team that's lost every Super Bowl appearance, made lots of playoff chokes. Um, but this could be the year the Vikings haven't looked this good in almost a decade. And uh, you love to see it. You love to see Justin Jefferson with almost 200 receiving yards in the game. You love that he beat OBJ and uh, Randy Moss's record for the most 100-point uh, or 100-yard receiving games um, in their first three years. He's still got plenty of games more to come, I think. Um, and even though I got the chains on, you got to be happy with with everyone, but almost not happy with Kirk Cousins. He had two turnovers. He's got to protect the ball. He came alive in the in the end of the game there, made some key throws, but you know, to be realistic, 
I saw that there is a lot more to be desired from Kirk Cousins, especially in the red zone. Um, we did not do well in the red zone. We made a lot of mistakes this game, so the team needs to tighten or yeah, the team needs to tighten up because um, we still got two big games ahead of us. But I, I feel great about this win. Um, I think it puts us firmly in control of our own destiny now, as far as having a bye week in the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, the catch around the world, Justin Jefferson, it's definitely better than the OBJ catch, in my opinion. Uh, I could talk about this game all day long. I, I could well, go through well, every like, single that moment. Was, what you like? what that was probably my, it's close. It's close. It was probably my favorite catch of all time. Yeah, so Pete, you have it over OBJ's, Blake? How about you? Bro, I think I have it over OBJ's just because OBJ's was just, you know, it was big, but I think the importance of Justin Jefferson's catch just makes so much more on a fourth down, bro. With an defend, a defender trying to yank it away from him as well. And you know what? Yeah, I, I just think it was. But hey, you can't forget up. about George Pickens too. You know what the difference George is? Pickens OBJ flexed nice. nice. after his catch. JJ got up like it was routine for him. Back to work. Back to the huddle. That's that Mamba mentality that Justin well, Jefferson has. I, I want to touch on JJ real quick. Uh, where do you guys rank Justin Jefferson as far as, you know, the best wide receiver in the league? I, I he is the best. Know. Number one. Tony, I know, Tony, you have him the best. Pete, you have him number one also. With the Cooper Cup injury, JJ's number one right well, now. Over Jamar and, Chase. And if we're going yeah. off of this year, bro, the only person that was competing with, that is competing with him is Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yeah, well, for, 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 up, even though they were sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's, that has more to do with Matthew Stafford's racial, racial biases than anything, bro. I saw some crazy <laughs> stats saying he threw like 80% of his passes were to white receivers this year. So, <laughs> I think We've that might have to do with Allen Robinson. Hey, uh, <laughs> for our for our listeners, for our listeners of the podcast, you guys can't see it, but Tony has his best Perk Cousins impression going on. So if you guys check the YouTube out, you can see his fit. Um, yeah, I think it was a it was a big game. Pete Blake, do you guys think? Who do you guys think this game was more important for? Did it mean more for the Vikings winning, or was it bigger for the Bills losing the second game in a row? Uh, Blake, you can go ahead and start it, and then we'll go with Pete. I think it was bigger for the Bills. I think that three or two losses in a row is big time because they had control of AFC completely. They just needed to win and keep pace on the same pace that they were doing. Now AFC is wide open with Chiefs right there, Ravens same record as the Bills. Now it's 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 big time that the do, do you Bills think lost that uh, Josh Allen injury had an effect on him or not? I don't think so. He didn't look like he was. It was affecting him. He was running hard. He was throwing the ball fine. It didn't seem like he was injured out there. I think Vikings were just definitely the better team this week. Yeah, Pete, what do you think? Bro, I think it meant a lot more for the Vikings. I think it just showed that that team, like Tony said, everybody's not giving them respect. I think it showed that that team can battle out against another top team. And even though Kirk threw a couple interceptions, he uh he still 
he still showed that he's got it in the fourth quarter. You know, he he led the team. Came I know clutch. Jesse Jefferson has some crazy catches, but uh, he still came in clutch and led them to a. I mean, he led them to the to the win, but then obviously the defense got that touchdown, which locked it up. But Kirk Cousins did a lot of work. I think it just meant so much more for the Vikings. And I see what you're saying with the Bills and how they controlled their own destiny. But, I mean, the Eagles lost, so that Vikings win just meant so much more. I don't know exactly who's number one in the NFC per standings right now. I don't know if it's the Eagles or the Vikings. But, I mean, the way the Eagles looked what last night, um, the Vikings looked good to lock in that one seed if they can keep winning. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it was a great performance by the Vikings all around. I think that was a, a game that a lot of people thought the Vikings might choke and the Bills would come out and beat them, especially in Buffalo. I think that made it an even bigger win for Minnesota. Um, So I think Vikings deserve all the praise. Tony deserves his flowers. This Vikings team really is making a push for that number one team in the NFL right now and it all comes back to Kirk Cousins play Kevin O'Connell making a difference but speaking of another rookie head coach who got their first win this weekend was Jeff Saturday for the Colts after they fired Frank Reich Um, and it came against the dumpster fire team that is the Las Vegas Raiders right now Uh, it was a close it was a close game it was a little bit more high scoring than I think some people thought it would be. Uh, John and Jonathan Taylor came out and flashed like he was his 2021 version. Uh, the Raiders had a chance to win this game at the end of the uh, uh, at the end of the game with Derek Carr trying to throw a fade route to Devontae Adams over Stephon Gilmore, eerily similar to when the Commanders and Taylor Heineke and Scary Terry did it. But Gilmore was able to get the pass deflection and secure the win for the Colts. Blake, what did you make of Jeff Saturday's performance as a head coach? And what what do you think he did that made the difference for the Colts in getting a win and getting off this bad losing streak that they had? I am rooting for Jeff Saturday, but... I don't think it was really him doing anything. Um, I think it's more of the fact they they respect him and they played hard for him, but that that wasn't the Colts. That was more of the collapse of the Raiders. But I definitely think Jeff Saturday has a chance to be in this league. They have to win a lot of games this this year, the rest of the year at least. Well, well, focus more on this game, and and what do you think Jeff Saturday did right in this game? Being minimalist at this point. I think they just kept it simple. They didn't do anything. They didn't try to pull out any trick plays or do anything too crazy to be too desperate. They just played a simple game and brought it back to the basics. Um, I I like to watch that because they played hard for him, but... I, I don't think he did anything spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna chime in on that. I uh correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe he's calling offensive plays or defensive plays. So no, now, just, now keep I mean, in mind they had a rookie offensive 
coordinator calling plays. Yeah, I understand that, but also I understand that. But focusing on what Jeff, like you said, what did Jeff Saturday do good? I mean, the only thing he did good was to start Matt Ryan. I mean, that's about it. Exactly. Um, Jonathan Taylor exploded like the Jonathan Taylor we know he is. Um, Matt Ryan and Paris Campbell's connection is just—it's kind of unreal for him to for that to be his wide receiver one, even though he has Michael Pittman. So I think that's really the only thing he did right. I mean, like Blake said, I think it was just more so the downfall of the Raiders right now, and then starting Matt Ryan. Yeah, Tony, any any anything quick you want to touch on? Um, I think that uh, I agree a lot with what Pete had to say about um, uh, this Colts win. I think more than anything, Jeff trusted in his guys to do their thing um, and didn't second-guess things. And I'm not sure, um, you know, uh, what the previous coaching staff thought about personnel decisions or the quarterback they brought in or the kind of schemes their coordinators were running, but it seemed like Jeff Saturday trusted his team a little bit more on than in the past, and it shows Matt Ryan looked more confident. Jonathan Taylor um, was starting to be efficient with the ball, and uh, you really start to see the team play like a team, um, and that's when you have winning football when the team buys in, the players are talented, and they do their job. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like you guys said, I think he kept the basic. I think he did what he was supposed to do was – energize his guys, uh, give them an easy game plan to work with. The Raiders obviously aren't playing well, and he executed. So congrats to Jeff Saturday on his first win. I don't know what this means for him long-term. I don't know if he will be a coach long-term or not, but it's a good first start for him. Um, go, moving on to our final topic for biggest news of the week is Cooper Cup's injury and the state of the Rams. Obviously, the Rams are coming off a Super Bowl win last year, and we all know about the Super Bowl hangover. We know that the teams that make the Super Bowl normally don't return the next year, and they struggle a little bit. But this Rams team has been a complete disaster from the beginning of the season. The O-line has been bad. Matthew Stafford's play has been bad. The defense hasn't been playing as well. Their only saving grace has been Cooper Cup, who's arguably the best receiver in the league. I think we have him at number two right now behind Justin Jefferson. And he got injured this past week against the Cardinals in what was already a pretty weak receiving core for the Rams. What's the significance of Cooper Cup's injury? And where where do the Rams go from here? And is there even saving their season at this point or should they just let everybody heal up as much as they can realize that this season's over and let's move on uh go ahead that's exactly what i was about to say bro i mean this season's already lost i mean there's nothing they can really do to save their season matthew stafford's concussion on top of his injuries cooper cup's injury um all i can say is i am glad cooper cup didn't break his fibula i know there was yeah. They were thinking that's what it was. It, they say it's just a high ankle sprain. He's going to need surgery. But um, I know they put him on IR, but there's no reason to rush him back and make his ankle right. worse or even risk him getting injured again, you know, because we all know what he's capable of. So I think what, I think their season just lost. It's kind of crazy to, to think about not hearing Aaron Donald's name this year very often. We know how great he is, an all-time great. 
and we haven't heard his name a lot. Um, so I think they just, like Steve said, I think they just get people healthy and they try to set up for next year. I mean, this season's gone. Go ahead, Blake. Any, Tony? Yeah, I, I mean, know. as far as this season, it's done, especially with them losing Cooper Cup for at least four weeks, even if they try to rush him back. He was 34% of their offensive yards this year, 31% last year. It's just the season's not – they're not going to make it this year. They need to, like Pete said, sit Cooper Cup down for the rest of the season, make sure he can come back strong next year, figure out a way to get Matthew Stafford back and healthy, um, and just start preparing for the next year. Because it's just no way that Allen Robinson is going to be able to pick up the slack that yeah. Cooper Cup was doing. And I also forgot to mention, um, I don't know if maybe y'all can answer this question. How long did Aaron Donald come back for? Was it a one-year deal? Uh, oh, that's a good or, question. He just came back to continue his contracts. I know he said he, he gave the I'm paperwork sure. to the Rams to retire in the offseason, but they didn't turn it into the league. So, I mean, um, that's a big deal, bro. I mean, if they continue to play like this for the rest of the year, which, I mean, that's what I think we're all predicting. Uh who knows if he comes back next year? That's true. Yeah, it was a it was a three yeah. year deal. Okay, so three years, ninety five million. Okay, thirty million on a on a defensive player is still crazy. On a nose tackle, bro. <laughs> hey, but he's one of the greatest of all time. So he is. Facts. He is. Yeah. I agree. Well, i I think I think it goes to show the importance that Cooper cut made to that Rams offense and how significant that injury really is and how crucial he is to the success of their team. That pretty much wraps up the biggest news of the week for us. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into some game recaps. Uh, We have a little matchup between hosts, so that'll be fun to dive into. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll jump back in. Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson. Climbs the ladder. Oh my goodness. Justin Jefferson. What's up, guys? Glad to be back with everybody here to jump into our game recaps. We're going to go ahead and start with the Cowboys. They went on to play the Packers in in Green Bay. Uh, The Cowboys ended up losing in an overtime game, 31-28. In what was very a very familiar sight with Aaron Rodgers doing what he does to Dallas on uh, to Dallas uh, pretty frequently. Pete, go ahead and tell us a little bit about the game and how you felt about Aaron Rodgers' performance, the Packers' run game, and Dak Prescott and your Cowboys. Yeah, bro. I mean, it's nothing new with Aaron Rodgers and the Cowboys. Uh... I like you said, it's something we've we've blown leads against him the past four or five times we've played we've played him. So I mean, I was I was confident going into the game, you know, just because we've been playing pretty good this year. We looked good. Dak was back, but um, as to what it looked like in that game, um, the main thing that I'm worried about is the run defense. So the rush defense, we've had we've been okay. We've been mediocre this year in it. 
But even after the game, they're in the locker room talking about how Micah Parsons was getting on to other people for leaving their assignment and playing for themselves and not playing as a team. Um, I was watching some film on it uh, here just a, probably about an hour ago, and so many defensive players just – they just look like a fucking cone out there, bro, like a traffic cone. They just stand there and they get stagnant. There's only two or three people hustling towards the ball, especially on runs outside the tackles. Nobody's forcing them inside. Nobody's getting enough pressure. So uh, that's the main thing I'm worried about. I'm not too worried about Christian Watson doing what he did to us because yeah, I understand Anthony Brown. I understand Anthony Brown giving up that long touchdown, which he's been burnt a couple times this year. But him getting that concussion or going into concussion protocol, and then Kevin Joseph coming in, which was our, I believe, our third round pick in this past draft. He's just he's just not that good yet. I mean, he shouldn't have been in there. Same thing with the Deron Bland. Um, he tripped on the game-winning drive for the Packers. Our um, our backup DBs, just they don't look good. I don't know why Diggs wasn't following Watson with how hot of a hand that he had. You know, Rodgers only targeted Diggs one time. When, I don't know what that says about Diggs. He's been playing good. Rodgers didn't yeah, want to target his side of the field, wherever he was at. Um, that was the fewest times he's been targeted – in his whole career since he's been into the league, only one target went his way. Um, the offense looked – they looked fine to me. I'm not too worried about the offense. Dak threw two interceptions, but the one of the interceptions was more of a C.D. Lamb's fault, um, which I know people are saying – I'm going to argue it all day. They say he's a true uh, wide receiver one after that performance, but I just don't see it. He's too inconsistent. He, he makes, like – he makes rookie mistakes. But overall, the game, dude, I mean – I expected it. I'm not I'm not too worried about it. It does have me a lot more nervous going into the matchup this week with the hot Vikings team, especially going to Minnesota. Um we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but <laughs> I I'm just I was just upset at the loss, but I also wasn't surprised because I know what Rogers does to us, bro. Yeah. Well funny you mentioned about the Christian Watson thing, because I was gonna say due to the lack of weapons that the Packers have you thought they would have keen in on Christian Watson a little bit more after the first, especially after the second touchdown and yeah. trying to make somebody else beat them. Cause you take away Christian Watson and who, who did they have? They didn't I mean, have they would have had Alan, they would have had Alan Lazard, but he's, he's nowhere near as talented as Christian Watson. I mean, Christian so, Watson has been banged up this year in and out for the Packers, but every time he comes back off an injury, they are targeting him over targeting him. Rogers really likes him. He's super strong. He's super fast. Um, did, did you feel that Zeke would have made a difference for you guys, or was it just I, Green Bay played I, a good game and they came out? Well, on we top know at the end? Green Bay has a probably a, a little bit above mid pack of, of defense. I think they're ranked around thirteenth or fourteenth, if I'm correct. So I think the big problem was our offensive line, and that's where we miss Zeke a lot. Pollard can't block like Zeke. Um, so I think Dak was on the run a lot, or he tried to step up in the pocket, and they were, they were just grabbing at his legs. I thought Dak should have used his legs more, especially on that final drive whenever he got sacked on fourth down. I think if he would have just stepped up in the pocket and ran it, um, I don't know if the game would have been a different outcome, but he definitely would have got that first down rather than giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. 
So yeah. I think we're missing Zeke a lot in the pass blockings. So I'm ready for him to get back healthy. Yeah. Blake, Tony, uh, what do you guys think? Do you think CeeDee Lamb can be a true number one, or does he have wide receiver two slash three written all over him? He has the talent to be a wide receiver one, but he just hasn't shown the consistency to be that wide receiver one. Yeah, I almost 100% that agree with, with that. His career. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, Cooper was with... the wide receiver one. Go ahead. But, and, you know, they traded yep. him thinking CD could be the wide receiver one, and I think it shows that CD should still be the two. He has the talent, like Blake said, to be the one, but I just don't think on an island with, you know, no other true number two that he's ever going to elevate his game like that. He needs someone else that can take some of the attention off of him and elevate him to receiver one. Odell. They need it, bro. If that game doesn't show it, bro, I mean, I don't know what else is going to show them coaches. They need it. Yeah, especially with Michael really... Gallup going out for a few plays with a with another injury. So, yeah, it, it it was a tough it was a tough loss for the Cowboys, but I think it meant more for the Packers getting that win. And I think we all said that we think they're going to start turning the little corner and playing better than they have been. Um, another team that played this past weekend was the Raiders, and they faced the Colts. And they lost again. Uh, I don't really know how to act, to be honest. I was extremely upset yesterday after the game. And then I didn't really care last night. And then this morning, I was feeling kind of optimistic. There's a lot that needs to be done for this team. Josh Jacobs is a bright spot. Is he going to be on the team next year? I don't know. Derek Carr played a good game, especially in the second half. Or or from the second quarter on, Devontae Adams is continuing to produce, regardless of how good the Raiders are. The defense is just awful. Like, I've never seen a team miss so many tackles. And I wish I could sit here and just play every single play for you guys. And I promise you that the first Please person, don't do that. The first defender <laughs> to make contact never brings the runner down. Never. And then the middle of the field is wide open. I don't know what our linebackers or safeties are doing or what Patrick Graham is trying to figure out. But we get hit in the middle of the field in that 8 to 12-yard range so often and we're going up against a Colts team that's not good. Their offensive line has been playing bad. They have a lot of injuries. They don't have a lot of weapons. That defense is middle of the pack. And, again, the Raiders just can't produce. Did Josh McDaniels get out coached? I, I don't know if we can say that. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But, obviously, whatever he's trying to do just isn't working. And... And yeah, I think I, the owner backing I think the owner backing him up is not helping him change anything down there nope. whenever he's on the side of the field. Look, I, I was quick to say like get rid of McDaniels. I, I'm quicker to say get rid of Graham because I think Patrick Graham has to be that sacrificial land that gets fired. Because something you have has to start to somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. 
And I get a little bit more now that we can't just fire McDaniels. He's still paying Gruden. Now he's paying McDaniels. You can't just fire another coach and now start paying the third one. So I, I kind of get that aspect. But obviously, whatever he's doing just isn't working. Him and Carr have a disconnect. The defense just isn't playing well. So it's a little unfortunate. But somehow... Teams still want to see the talent in the Raiders that I just don't understand. Um, I can go on for hours about the Raiders, but <laughs> we already covered the Vikings uh, during the biggest news of the week. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our game previews. Blake, we'll start with you before we jump into the Raiders preview and then before we jump into the Vikings and Cowboys preview. You guys are playing the Panthers this week. What do you guys have to do to win this game despite the injuries that you guys are dealing with? And what's some of the biggest matchups that you have trying to stop Dante Foreman, uh, Foreman and DJ Moore? And then give us your score prediction. So good news is we had the bye week and we're going to get most likely Mark Andrews back. A lot of our players are going to be healthy. So it's going to be perfect timing right in the middle of the season to play the rest of the season nice and healthy. Um, as far as stopping Deontay Foreman and DJ Moore, the one person that scares me the most is definitely DJ Moore with our inconsistent secondary. Sometimes we like to play lockdown, but we love to give up those one, two big chunk plays that definitely bother. It bothers me to watch, but our rush defense is top five in the league. Um, our defense is turning around. We went from 32nd for the first four weeks, and now we're at 19 in pass yards and rush yards together. So it's it's definitely a turning itself around. Um, the offense itself speaks for itself. It's Lamar Jackson only. Um, so as long as Lamar Jackson is playing well, our offense is playing well. And then going against – good old Baker Mayfield, which is, I don't know about you guys, but I watched some of the Panthers game with, with Walker in the game. I didn't see him get injured. He wasn't injured at the end of that game. And now they're saying that he has high ankle sprain, which is curious, but having Baker Mayfield come back in, he's three and five against us, but he's had some big games against the Ravens before, but so we'll see what happens. But, and then as far as score prediction, I have this being a blowout. I have it 31-14 Ravens. Ooh. Uh, Pete and then Tony, give me your guys' score prediction. Yeah, I'm probably just going to – I'm going to go something simple, man. Um, Pretty good win, but probably somewhere around Blake's score. I'm probably going to go like 28 to say maybe like 17. Um, I think Baker's just going to come out and play hot, and they're going to put up a couple points, but I think he's just going to fall off like he always does. Yeah. Tony, man, Pete, you stole my prediction. What's up with that? I got I got the same kind of situation <laughs> going on. I think you're going to see back to back touchdown drives from Baker early in the game, and then the Ravens defense is going to clamp down shut, and then Lamar is going to do his thing. I think we're going to see a a pretty convincing win for the Ravens here, and I never want to bet on Baker, so give me the Ravens, twenty eight fourteen. Get down there, they haven't been able to capitalize when they paid off the. This one batted up in the air and picked off. What 
a night by Justin Houston. Urban got his hands on it. Welcome back, guys. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we got it all figured out. Um, we last left off with the Raiders preview this week against the Broncos. Uh, as we all know, Josh McDaniel's first head coaching stint was with the Broncos. He failed miserably, left, went back to New England, and now he's with the Raiders facing his former team for the second time this season. Uh, the Raiders won that match, that first matchup this season pretty handedly against what's still a good Broncos defense, but that offense is just in shambles. Nathaniel Hackett, I don't think, is a coach that's going to have much success in his career, at least as a head coach. As a coordinator, I think he'll be fine. But what do you think the Raiders have to do this season, or what do you think the Raiders have to do this game to break this terrible losing streak that they have and kind of gain some confidence? Or do you guys think this is another game that they're just going to lose, continue the tanking, and, you know, hope for next season? Uh, I don't do know. Uh, I don't know that they're tanking, bro. I think they're just they're trying to win, bro. They just They really just can't. And I think it's going to continue against the Broncos, bro. The Broncos have... Despite what y'all did, what five six weeks ago, yeah, I, they have the number one defense in um, lowest points per game allowed. So I mean, I don't see, I don't see y'all being able to beat them this week. But I mean, that being said, if y'all are able to do like y'all have done the past couple weeks and score pretty quick with Devontae Adams, um, the Broncos won't be able to catch up, bro. Their offense is just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pete, give us a prediction for that. Uh, man, that's hard. I'm gonna have to go with the Broncos, but I'm gonna have to go like it's gonna be low scoring, bro, because the Broncos can't even hit 20 points. I'm gonna have to go maybe like 14 to 10. Uh, Blake, <sighs> another toilet bowl, two weeks in a row. <laughs> um. <laughs> Every 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 time the Raiders play, it's toilet bowl. Who's who's? Where's the game going to be played at? Uh, I believe this game's going to be in Denver. Yeah, the last one was in Oakland. I mean, not Oakland, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. If in Denver, I'm going with the Broncos, seventeen fourteen game winning field goal at the end. Oh, I like it, Tony. Um, I'm going to take it a different direction. Don't I'm gonna do go... it again this week, Tony. Nah, Don't go nah, for nah. the Raiders. I'm going to go with a tie, 13-13. <laughs> Neither team scores in overtime. 13-13. I think that would literally be the breaking point for Steve. <laughs> yeah. 13, Honestly, 13, I don't, I don't hey, know. Hey, it's not a loss, though. It's not a hey, loss. I'd, I'd rather take a loss than a tie to the Broncos. <laughs> uh, I, look, I, I don't know who I would pick, to be honest. My heart tells me to pick the Raiders again, even though after every loss, I keep telling myself not to. Go with your my heart. Mi my mind's telling me go with the Broncos. I don't think we're going to get much better. Anytime soon, so Alright. This is my last time, I swear. I'm not doing it again. Okay, because this is taking any last little bit of hope that I have. 
I think it's a game that's going to be important on Devontae again. Car's success as long as he doesn't turn the ball over. And feed Josh Jacobs. Stop being fancy with it. We had another fourth down conversion that we didn't get. I think we had a fake punt that didn't work. Tackling's bad. Not jumping on fumbles because we want to pick them up to score. And then they score a touchdown the next play. I think it's another sloppy game. I'm going to go with the Raiders. In a close game, Daniel Carlson hits the game-winning field goal, 2017 Raiders. Please don't let me down. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With that being said, let's get into a a game preview of another playoff matchup. The Vikings just came off theirs against the Bills, and they're carrying that momentum into a game against the Dallas Cowboys who didn't play terrible, played well at times, but lost in a shootout to the Packers. Tony and Pete, you guys go ahead and lead us with this. What can we expect out of this playoff matchup between the Cowboys and the Vikings? Uh, Where's this game being played? At the bank. It's in Minnesota. In Minnesota. It's at the bank. I uh, well, if that, since the Vikings are at home, Pete, you're the away team. You go ahead and get us started. Started. Started here. Um, man, like I said, the way we played against the Packers, uh, if they don't change something this week on defense, it's just gonna be deja vu. Um, Dalvin Cook's been running a lot better on the t- uh, with the Vikings. Um, we've seen what he did last week. We've seen what he's done the week before. Um, I like the way they've been using him. I don't I don't have us winning this game though. I mean, after what I seen last week and after the way the defense played, regardless if our whole offense is healthy, I just don't see us winning. Um I don't have much to say about it cuz I just I I don't think it's going to look good. I don't think it's going to be good for us. Get, get, give us one play one player on your team that you think will be monumental to your success to winning this game and one player on the Vikings that you think could impact you guys losing this game? Bro, I think the – if we do win, man, I think it's going to be the fact that Zeke comes back and they, people see what he what he is for the team, regardless if he's not running as well as Tony Pollard is because obviously he's not as explosive. But I think we see what Zeke really does for this team. And I think on the other side of the ball, I think – I mean, I think it's going to be Zedaria Smith – um, I just don't know how they're going to be able to handle that exactly because Tyron Smith isn't there. Our uh, our line hasn't been nowhere near as good as they should have been. I mean, they're a solid they're a solid O line, but they haven't been great this year. So I just yeah, I had to go with uh, Zeke for us and the Zedaria Smith on that side. Well, well, give us a score for that. And I mean, the score's going. That's a hard one for me because, you know, you know. I, hold on, hold on. I, I, let, let I want to be, I want to be, I want to be confident in the team. I just don't know. I mean, what what I'm hoping, what I'm hoping happens is the Vikings coming off of a big win. They maybe they try to do the same thing they did last week, and then the Cowboys are just ready for it. I don't know. Yeah, T- Tony, give us your your take on this matchup. Give us a player you think is important to your guys' success and winning this game, and then one player on the Cowboys that you think can lead them to winning this game. Absolutely. Um, 
First, I want to say, Pete, I feel like you're not giving your team the credit it deserves or the energy it deserves. But I'm going to get into my player picks here. Um, for the Vikings, it's going to be Justin Jefferson. Um, he's got a big matchup against Diggs here. Um, and I bet both of those players, him and Diggs, have been circling this matchup in their calendars waiting for this because they both like to talk a lot. They yeah. both like to make big plays. Justin Jefferson coming off the game of his life, arguably, um, and Diggs coming off his least targeted game last week. So we'll see what happens here. Um, and then my Cowboys player it isn't actually Diggs. It's Micah Parsons. Um I think that he is going to be a problem for the Vikings offensive line here. Um, we saw how they played against Von Miller last week. Um, so I think that the, uh, the Cowboys defense is something that the, you know, we saw a stout defense last week, but I think that this Cowboys defense is even potentially better. I mean, they gave up a lead to a future hall of fame quarterback last week. I don't think that's anything to be terribly concerned about. That being said, I got a little bit of purple faith in me right now, and I know that this Vikings team finds a way to win games. Um, so look for another team win here um, for the Vikings here, uh, just like last week. I mean, we, we give a lot of credit to Kirk and Jefferson, but Dalvin Cook got things kicked off with the 81-yard touchdown run when we were down 17. One yeah. play and we're in. Um, you know, we look at... Um, uh, you know, Patrick Peterson, Zadarius Smith. There's a lot of talent on this Vikings team. Everyone contributes in one way or another. We find ways to get it done. So um, I'd say, uh, you know, I still want to lock in another 100 yards and a touchdown for Justin Jefferson. I think that's his floor most games. Um, but I also expect Micah Parsons to have a couple of sacks this game too. Um, I'm going to look for him to get in the backfield, but I'm going to look for Kirk to find a way to make the reads before he can get back there. It's going to be a close game like it was last year uh, against uh, Cooper Rush. And last year, y'all got the better of us. I think this Vikings team is going to continue to be undefeated in one-score games. I got the Vikings winning this one uh, 24-20. I like it. Yeah, bro, I want to keep I want to keep talking about it a little bit. Um <laughs> I know For last sure. week against Rodgers is something we always do. So I think that is more so what has me less confident in the team. Although maybe I shouldn't be because, like I said, it's 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 like clockwork against Rodgers. No matter where we play him, when we play him, playoffs, regular season, he just beats us no matter what. So maybe, maybe that's why I'm going into this game with a little less confidence. I think the players getting onto each other in the locker room Michael Parsons, I think the coach said he walked in on it and he's seen people kind of yelling at each other, getting onto each other. So maybe that's enough for them to realize, like, hey, we got to work more as a team. I mean, the defense has to step it up. We let a mediocre overall Packers offense, you know, score 30-plus on us when we haven't let anybody do that to us all year. So maybe I think the Cowboys do have a chance to win. But I just last week just has me so down bad, bro. That I don't I don't know if they're gonna be able to come out there and do it. Yeah, Blake. But yeah, I mean I'm gonna give the Vikings. I'm not gonna give a score, but I'm gonna give the the Vikings by probably seven points, probably a touchdown. Blake, you're a Ravens fan, so you're a little more unbiased in this. You're from the AFC, two NFC teams, 
potential teams you could see in the Super Bowl. Who do you think has the upper hand in this game, and what do the Vikings need to do to win, and what do the Cowboys need to do to win? I definitely think Vikings have the upper hand, especially with home field advantage, coming out of that big game against the Bills. Um, so morale is going to be at its peak with the Vikings right now. Um, for Vikings to be able to pull this win out, I definitely think that they're just going to have to establish the run game, force force the Cowboys to stop Dalvin Cook, leaving uh, J.J. on a one-on-one matchup with Trayvon Diggs. Um, and it scares me with Diggs. He, he, he's like a, a younger Marcus Peters. He, he likes to make – he likes to try to be aggressive and make jump the ball, get interceptions, and that scares me with Justin Jefferson big time. Um, for the Cowboys to win, I do think Dak is going to have to come out, throw for about 300, 350, two, three touchdowns, and be very efficient. No turnovers, no nothing like that. Um, I think it's just going to be a matter of Cowboys need to come together as a complete team, special teams, defense, and offense, and play the game of their life against the Vikings in Viking Stadium to be able to pull this one out. Um, yeah, that was a that was an overlooked part of the game against the Packers, bro. Every time we punted the ball or kicked it off to them, bro, they ran it back to the 35, exactly. 45. I mean, that automatically puts you in the hole, so they definitely got to work on that as special teams. Yeah. So going on that, I do have the Vikings winning this game in a close one, um, only because it's in the Vikings stadium. I have it 27-24, Vikings. Yeah, uh, funny enough, that was going to be my prediction also, 27-24 game. Uh, I also think this is a game that could go either way. Dak and Kirk are in that very similar level of quarterbacks where are they elite are they just above average how good are they really i think a lot of the team success is based off their performance both teams have solid defenses both have more success when they're running the ball well i think this game is basically just going to come down to turnovers whoever turns the ball over more is going to be the team that loses this game i don't think either team can really overcome crucial mistakes like that against two very good teams. I think this is definitely a playoff matchup, but I think I'm going to give it. Don't do it. I'm going to go Vikings 27-24 over Cowboys. I think I have to. Part of me wants to go Cowboys, and I think if Zeke plays, I think they'll lean on that running game. I think Zeke and Pollard could have huge games, which would lead to the Cowboys winning, but I think you just kind of have to go with that momentum. And this is that kind of game that the Vikings might lose because everybody wants to pick them after a big win. But... Yeah, I I wanted to... Yeah, that's that's what I was just about to say that. It being possibly a trap game for the Vikings, but I think whoever wins... Man, I mean, if the Vikings win two back-to-back wins over two good teams... But and if the Cowboys win, it it'll show maybe they just came out, you know, scared of Rodgers. And if they come out and they win against the Vikings, it shows that they can actually be contenders. So I mean, although it doesn't have really huge playoff implications yet, because both teams are sitting in a good playoff at a good playoff spot, I think it's a huge win for whoever wins. It shows that they can beat 
arguably a top team in the NFL, especially for the Vikings, if they can be two back-to-back good teams. I yeah, think it I think means a little bit more for the... Those... Go ahead. Go ahead, Tony. <laughs> I think this no, means no, a little ahead, bit more for the Cowboys than it does for the Vikings. Um, the Cowboys are currently actually sitting third in their division right now. Now, they do have that last wild card spot as of now. We're going to have to start doing our playoff pictures here pretty soon. Um, but there is some noise to be made for those last couple of NFC wild card spots here. A win here and a Giants loss. They don't play this week. They play this week, right? The Giants already had their bye. I think they just I'm, had it. Uh, let's see. But it, I don't I know like, exactly. I think the Cowboys winning here would mean more to that team. Um, they play the Lions. Got to hope for an upset. But, you know, the Vikings have a very firm hold on their division right now. I think even if the Vikings were to lose two in a row, they'd still be the two seed. They'd still be looking at playing a home playoff game where I feel like if the Cowboys lose this game and the Giants win this game, they got a lot of wood to chop here towards the end of the season. And it has been a theme. I don't mean to shit on the Cowboys, but it has been a trend of theirs to start seasons off hot and have a hard time coming down the stretch. So um, it's not a must-win game, but it definitely has must-win atmosphere to it, and it's going to be loud in U.S. Bank Stadium uh, this weekend. Cowboys love to go eight and eight back when it was a sixteen-game season. So, yeah, I, I think this is definitely another one of those big key matchups that we're starting to see more as the season ends of these playoff with playoff implications like you said the Cowboys are in a tough division um we'll probably touch on those two teams a little bit more in our power rankings so we're going to take one uh another little break here and then we'll jump into our power rankings and there was a lot of discussion about who goes where so we'll see what everybody thinks and we'll get back in a second Second down, draw, Pollard, big hole, Pollard inside the five, and he's in for the touchdown. What's up, guys? We're back with the power rankings for week 11. We're going to start at the bottom and work our way up like we normally do, ending off with the top 10. Um, This week, we have the Texans at 32, Raiders at 31. I know they're at the bottom in a lot of people's power rankings. They're playing the Broncos, who we have at number 30, so we'll see that toilet bowl matchup this weekend. Then we got the Panthers at 29, who continue the quarterback carousel. Uh, Steelers at 28, TJ Watts finally back, playing well. Jaguars 27, Colts 26 after that win in Jeff Saturday's debut. Browns at 25, Lions 24, Rams 23. Lions did come off a good win against the Bears. Rams 23 with Cooper Cup's injury. Who knows how how much lower they'll go. Saints at 22. Is it time for James Winston? Maybe. Uh, Falcons 21. Bears 20. Uh, we want to qu- give a quick shout out to Justin Fields. Uh, he's breaking records. He might have already surpassed Lamar as the best running quarterback. But I don't know. We can leave that up for debate. Uh, Cardinals at 19. After their win against the Rams, Commanders at 18, 
with the huge win against the undefeated Eagles on Monday night. Heineke just gives that team some different energy. Scary Terry balls out with them. Robinson and Gibson are a good duo. So commanders are part of that tough NFC East division. Robinson's stats didn't look crazy, bro. But, man, he was running hard. He just mm-hmm. – uh, Robinson and Gibson remind me of Pollard and that same, just that one-two punch. Uh, we have Chargers at 17, Packers at 16, a little jump after that win against the Cowboys, Patriots at 15, Bucks at 14, uh, with the huge win against the Seahawks in Germany, who we have at number 13, Bengals at 12, who were sitting on a bye week, Titans 11, sitting right outside the top 10 looking in. Um, what do you guys think about the Titans? I think the Bengals are the best team out of the Titans, Seahawks, and Bucks, those next few teams. But the Titans are just one of those playoff teams, play decent defense, run behind Derrick Henry. What do you guys think about the Titans this season? I think they have great coaching, bro, and they obviously have Derrick Henry back there. Um, man, it's really showing how much it hurt them to let go of uh, A.J. Brown, though. I mean, yeah. if they had a true wide receiver one over there again, I mean, they could possibly be contending for the number one seed in the AFC again. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. So, I think they're a good team, though. I like them. Yeah. Well, jumping into the top ten, right in front of the Titans is the Jets, who we had up here a couple weeks ago, and then they had a loss where we knocked them down, I don't know what, seven spots, something like that, <clears throat> come out and they beat the Bills. But I I think the Brees Hall injury and the Elijah Vera Tucker injury, we took a little bit more, uh, at least I know I did. I thought it was going to affect them a little bit more, but no, Robert Sala has this team playing well, behind good defense, running the ball extremely well with James Robinson and Michael Carter. Uh, I, th- I think the Jets belong in this top 10. Uh, we yeah. have the Giants, another New York team, at number 9. What do you guys think about the Giants? Because I know, I know that's a team, one of those other teams, that we were quick to knock out of our top 10, even though they only have, what, two or three losses? Yeah, two losses. Two They're losses. seven and two. Yeah. They're, uh, they look pretty good. Um, I... I just think most of the reservations for people about the Giants comes at the quarterback position. Um, Daniel Jones yep. has done well enough to not lose them games. Um, but I think that the main thing for this team has been defense in Saquon Barkley, who's currently leading the league in rushing yards right now. Um, when you can run that well and defend as well as they have been, which is a huge improvement over last season, you're going to win some regular season games. I think that you look around the league and a lot of the better teams here either have a great quarterback or they can run the ball and play defense. Um, so there's, there's definitely more than one way to win in the league these days. Um, and the Giants have found one. And I'm not going to lie, bro. I mean, the Giants are 7-2, and two, but you look at their schedule, bro, they might lose – five out of the next six or four out of the next six games. I mean, I think they're going to lose this week against the Lions, then they play us next week, and then they got the Commanders, which if they keep Heineke there, you know, that's going to be a good game. It's a division game. Then they got the Eagles, the Commanders again, and the Vikings. So, I mean, 
I think their hot streak's going to be. I think their their hot streak's going to be over. You got, I mean, out of them six games, you got four division games, and you got to play the Lions and the Vikings. So we'll see. We'll see where they are here in a couple weeks. Yeah, I, and it's funny because I think the Giants are that last team right before the top eight that kind of separate themselves as what I would consider our Super Bowl contenders. Who, I don't know which of these teams would win the Super Bowl, but they all have one aspect of the game that I feel makes any fan believe that they could. We have the 49ers at eight, who are arguably the scariest team at their best. Blake, what do you think about the 49ers uh, at number eight, and how good do you think they can be? I think they can be great. It's they got to get healthy, play consistent. Um, they, they're one of they're a scary team year in and year out. No matter what, when they make the playoffs, they always eliminate at least one team, a team that should beat them according to standings and the way they played in the regular season. They're, they they come got us out last year. Exactly, they they come out and play hard. No one expected them to make the NFC Championship when they first came into the playoffs last year. Yeah. And I wouldn't surprise them if they do it this year again. Um, they just got to get healthy and play consistent, though. Yeah, they're they're a playoff ready team for sure. Uh, their their ceiling is obviously extremely high with McCaffrey and Debo and Kittle and Ayuk. At number seven, we have a team that a lot of power <clears throat> rankings that I saw had them in their top five, and that was the Dolphins with Tua, who's leading the league right now in. Uh, passer rating, I believe. Tyreek Hill, who's leading the league in receiving yards. Jalen Waddle, who's arguably the best number two receiver right now. Uh, Pete, what what do you think about the Dolphins at seven? And do you think we have them too low, considering other other rankings have them a little higher? I mean, man, they're on a hot streak. I mean, like they're seven and zero when two starts and finishes the game, or. I mean, technically, he didn't finish the game this week. They took him out late in the game for the backup. But still, he got them to that point. They knew they were winning. So, I like the Dolphins, bro. It's hard to put them over, you know, my team and the Cowboys. It's hard to put them over the Ravens and a couple other teams that we have up there. I mean, they're right there on the cusp. If they can get one big win, I think I think they belong there. It's just, I mean, like, kind of like you've talked about, it's it's hard to trust him, bro. Like, I know Tua is balling out. I know he has the weapons around him, bro, but I just can't trust Tua. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Something in me just doesn't trust him. Same, same, just like I don't trust Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, just like we've seen last night. I think if the Dolphins weren't able to come out and be hot and score because they have such a high-powered offense, I think it'd be hard for them to come back and uh, win a game, you know, like something that they're trailing. If they got not technically a shootout, but if they went against a good defense and Tua really had to be the controller of the game, I don't know how much he can do that. I just, I mean, I like Tua. I just don't trust Tua. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I had them sitting there at seven, maybe even at eight behind the 49ers. Uh, Blake or Tony, did either you have the Dolphins in your top five or you, you, you guys are good with them at seven? I agree with them at seven, but I disagree with something Pete said about not trusting Tua. 
I think Tua is one of the people on the Dolphins that you trust the most. The offense has looked a lot better than it has in years past. And I think their one uh, kind of Achilles Hill has been the defense. The defense has been giving up some high-scoring games. Um, and Tua's yeah. been able to keep up in those sh- shootouts. Um, let's not forget the comeback win against the Ravens. Yes, that defense was playing a lot worse um, earlier on in the season. However, we've seen how good the Re- Ravens' defense can be. Um, I feel like them beating the Ravens is kind of a statement win already. So I don't know what more we can expect from Tua. He's been playing really well. He came back from an injury. Um, the fact that he's playing this well after we saw him throwing up gang signs during his concussion, I, I think it should leave zero doubt <laughs> for how good of a quarterback he is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, think- I don't, I don't think it would matter to me if he was in MVP, MVP conversation. I don't, there's just something. Maybe it's because he's fucking left-handed. I don't know, bro. There's yeah, just something I don't well, trust about him. I think, Pete, you're there with a lot of people who just aren't sold on Tua yet. I think we see the potential. I think Mike, with Mike with Mike McDaniels and Tyreek and Jalen, he's playing extremely well. I don't think you can really doubt his success this season because he's been so consistent. I mean, but what, what, I do. Think he just throw. He he has two great receivers. He can throw it up to Waddle. He can throw it up to Tyreek. I mean, look at the backfield he has yeah, now. Most certain Jeff Wilson. Day, you have to be able to do it. There's plenty of teams with talented players. Anybody, anybody can throw it to Tyreek, bro. Yeah, anybody can throw it to Devontae Adams too. <laughs> I mean, and he's balling out like as he should. It's not his yeah. fault they're losing these games. He's yeah, doing right. everything he can. Right. That's the I mean well, talent doesn't on, equivalent we, we, winning. We have... Yeah. Yeah, we know that. I mean, it's the NFL. At the end of the day, all thirty two of these teams are talented and as we've seen this season alone, like on any given Sunday, any of these teams can win. Um at number six, and this is where we started to have a little bit of disagreement on who goes where. Uh we try not to let Teams on bye weeks impact our power rankings because it's just so hard. You can't fault them for not winning, but you can't fault them for not losing either. So we do our best to not put teams that are on bye weeks factor into how how we move them. But we we decided on going with the Cowboys at six because of they had because of that loss to the Packers, who we have at fifteen. We went Ravens at five. Bills at number four, uh, who are coming off with two straight losses. And we'll finish off with the top three in a second. But do one of you guys want to go ahead and talk about the Bills, Ravens, Cowboys in that four, five, six spot? No, not really. I mean, I know we don't, we say we don't mess with teams on bye weeks that much. But I mean, after seeing the way the Bills are performing, them not scoring second half touchdowns in all these recent games. I mean, you want to put the Ravens over them. It's crazy that they they lose two in a row and they're still sitting at number four in retrospect when you think about it. But yeah. um, we'll see. We'll see what the Ravens do this week uh, and what the Bills do this week. So maybe they swap next week. Blake, how you, how you feel about your Ravens at five? 
I think that's exactly where they should be. I think any one of those teams, Bills, Ravens, or Cowboys, you have an argument for them switching to any spot. Uh, I definitely can see the Bills being dropped out of the top five because of the two losses. And then after this week, you never know if Cowboys can pull this win off against the Vikings. They can jump up as far as number three possibly. You never know. Because yeah. of how significant that win is. It's just, I think that four, five, and six spot is just inches apart. I don't think there's anything significant keeping each other separated. And it's, it's not all about wins. I mean, we going forward, I mean, we look at it. I mean, it's how, how they go out there and perform and against who they perform against. I mean, that's how close it is. If they all win, yeah. they can't just stay. They can't, if all three teams win, they can't just stay where they're at. And the yes. Ravens on a three-game win streak so far going into the bye, so you have to kind of respect it. Yeah, without Mark Andrews too. That was pretty tame mm-hmm. compared and, to the discussion you know, earlier. Blake, what was that, Tony? I said that was pretty tame compared to the discussion we had about this earlier. Yeah, well, we, we well that's kind of what I argument I, about I was it kind of. <laughs> Well, you know, the emotions of coming off a fresh loss. and I mean, when you're salty about a loss, I mean, we saw Steve last week. Yeah, Pete's, Pete's pretty calm about this loss now, now Now that the Eagles lost, like he said. Yeah, but... that made me so much happier, bro. <laughs> well, so, I fucking hate night. them, bro. You're about to piss me off just bringing them up. Here's my thing <laughs> is, especially with those three teams, the Bills are – I believe 0 and 3 on the road in the playoffs in Josh Allen's career and they're 3 and 0 at home. So without home field advantage, I don't know how dangerous the Bills really are. Do I, do I still think they're one of the top 3 teams in the NFL? I think so. Uh, does every team go through a bad stretch of games? Yes. I'm not and too concerned also, about them. Also to add on to that, if you look at they showed a little stat during the game Josh Allen is 9-1 when he's winning by 9-plus points. The game goes to 9-plus points. But he's only 2-8, and eight, I believe, in a three-point three or closer game when it comes down to fourth quarter or overtime. Yeah. It's like this questioning. It's like, can he finish games? I mean, we all saw that game in the playoffs, but at the end of the day, he lost. Can he finish a big game? And I know it's totally off topic, bro, but did y'all see the stat for Jimmy Garoppolo whenever he doesn't throw a touchdown pass? Yeah. He is 10 and 2. That is insane, bro. <laughs> yeah, well, so like I was saying, that's my biggest concern with the Bills. Uh, my biggest concern with the Cowboys is their inconsistency. Uh, one game, you'll see them come out and they look like, uh, sorry. Uh, they look like a Super Bowl contending team, and then the next second they come out and it's the same old Cowboys, fire the coach, there's not enough weapons at receiver, Dak's too inconsistent. So I think that's my biggest concern with them now. I'm not too worried about them, even with that loss to the Packers. I feel like overall they played a good game. Uh, Finally, the Ravens. Again, my only concern, my biggest concern with the Ravens is their lack of weapons. And I know Blake disagrees with that. I think the Ravens are the most playoff sound team outside of 
probably the Chiefs and the Bills. The the Ravens are just consistently one of those. They know how to run the ball well. They don't turn the ball over too much. They don't make too many mistakes. The defense is normally sound. I trust the John Harbaugh. But that's my biggest concern because if you see there's two biggest losses against these top 10 teams, the Dolphins and the Bills, are teams with a lot of weapons on offense. So it just worries me that if they get in a shootout that they'll have enough firepower to match that. Um, Just an argument on that, though. So those two losses, it wasn't the offense that struggled. It was the defense that struggled. No, no, I I get that. And that's what I'm saying. I, I base a lot of my Ravens stuff based off their defense, based off their coaching, based off because I I believe you guys are that kind of team that, you know, kind of like the 49ers. But it is my one concern. Not not that your guys' defense hasn't gotten better, but it's just the one thing that does concern me. Uh, Eagles dropped to number three after losing to the Commanders this week. They fall below the – they fall behind the Chiefs, who we have at number two. And the Vikings, who we put at number one after that win against the Bills. Personally, I think the Chiefs are probably the best team in the NFL right now. Overall, Vikings deserve the credit, especially after that Eagles loss. And I think the Commanders win kind of opened the door for how teams are going to try and play the Eagles. What do you guys think about our top three teams and... Who's the most dangerous team out of the Vikings, Chiefs, and the Eagles? I I will say something real quick. It's a little off topic, but it made me so happy to watch Juju get hit the way he did. (laughs) He got (laughs) blasted. I am not a fan of Juju whatsoever since he was a Steeler. And man, I I know I I I hate to see players injured like that. But Steeler no more, dog. I know, but. (laughs) It's it's just it's a feel I don't know I can't I'll never forget about it like if Big Ben went to another team I fuck him I still fuck him like I can't stand bro, Big I like Ben Juju, kind bro. Lord, but he got his get back against Vontez I, I like Juju that was too the bro this shit ever oh man fuck Juju <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay so. I mean, we hey, he would take he would take Juju on his team any day of the week, though. How much you want to bet? I wouldn't. Shit, your coaches would. We got I, Juju. I would be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know you would, uh, Tony. What do you think the Vikings? Or how about? Let me ask you this: How long do you think the Vikings can maintain that number one spot? And do you uh, think with the Cowboys? With the win over the Cowboys this weekend, it kind of cements that, like, yeah, that's where you guys deserve to be. If we beat the Cowboys, I think it cements it here. Um, We still got a a challenging schedule here, but we won the game we were supposed to lose. Um, And part of me worries that now we're going to lose the game we're supposed to win later down the line. Um, I don't know how long this Vikings team is going to hold on to that number one spot in our power rankings. Uh but I'm not worried about the Vikings falling out of the top two seeds of the NFC in the slightest. I think they're a top two team in the NFC uh, for a good reason, and that's going to keep them in top three discussions um, for the rest of the year. I don't know about one because I think no matter what, there's going to be a little bit of anti-Vikings bias just because nobody expected this team to be as good as it is right now with the record it has. Um, and I don't think anybody expects that out of Kirk yeah. Cousins. 
But they're going to be in the top three discussions here for a majority of the rest of the season, I think. Yeah. Uh, Pete, uh, make the case for the Chiefs and why they deserve that number one spot. I think that's a team that is consistently in the top two or three teams. Quarterback. Say his name. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. Say his name. Patrick Mahomes, bro. Like I think and the <laughs> I think um I think the Vikings are super deserving of the number one spot right now. I mean you look at the Chiefs though, so you look at their coaching staff, you look they have Patrick Mahomes, they have Travis Kelsey. Um Man, but the defense, the I just give the edge to the Vikings because the defense, I mean Kirk Cousins is not playing bad. He's not playing as good as Patrick Mahomes by any means, but he's doing what he needs to do to win these games. And Patrick Mahomes is doing everything he can to win the games as well, but his defense is uh, letting him down a little bit. And um, the Vikings' defense is doing what they need to do for Kirk. So, I mean, I know Kirk probably appreciates them more than anybody else because he doesn't have to go out there and put up crazy numbers to win. So, But if I if I had to make a compelling argument for the Chiefs to be number one, it would – It'd strictly be quarterback. Yeah. Blake, uh, right before we end our little power ranking segment, how about you give us your insight on the Eagles' loss against the Commanders, what they need to do to get back to one, and do you think they get back there, and do they maintain it? I don't think they can get back to number one. I do think they're going to be a top five team for the rest of the season. Um, arguably top NFC team. They're fighting back and forth with the Vikings. Um, I like what I saw from Jalen Hurts. Despite the loss, Jalen Hurts did look good. He looked great throwing the ball. It was just a bunch of really bad mistakes. That fumble, yeah, that fumble to end the game on that deep pass to Watkins. It was, it just, unfortunate for the Eagles as a team, but I do like what I see with Jalen Hurts and that offensive line in particular going in for the rest of the season. So I do think they're going to be a cemented top five team. I want to bring up, bring up their schedule too. It gets pretty juicy here. I mean, they got the Colts uh, coming up, which is, it shouldn't be a problem for them. Um, But then they got the Packers, they got the Titans, they got the Giants, the Bears, the Cowboys. I mean, that's a pretty tough schedule coming up. So, I mean, I mean, this is exactly what we want to see, bro. We want to see these schedules get tough at the end of the year um, to see how it's really going to play out. And I think the Vikings are going to end up getting the one seed, though. I just, like I said, I mean, y'all know I hate the Eagles. But I, after seeing them last night, like Blake said, teams are going to maybe play them a little bit different. But, I mean, we got to – a fairly easy schedule coming up. So I'm not saying we're going to win the division. We only have a 24% chance. But I think with the Giants having a hard schedule and the Eagles having a hard schedule, us having an easy schedule, I think we can still finish second in the division. Yeah. The the one thing I want to mention real quick before we end it, um, or end the segment, sorry, is if if you take a look at our top 10 teams, or even top 11 if you wanted to. The Vikings, Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, Ravens, Cowboys, Dolphins, 49ers, Giants, Jets, Titans. All our top teams are teams that are built to play in cold weather, 
in January. The Vikings, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bills, the Ravens, Cowboys and Dolphins are the two teams that you could argue aren't, especially the Dolphins, but the Cowboys um, a little bit as well, aren't necessarily cold weather teams, the 49ers, Giants, and the Jets. So I think it's very interesting that it's kind of forming up that way. I think that pretty much wraps up our week 11 power rankings. It was a lot more calm than I thought it would be because Sunday night <laughs> in our little group chat, we were, we all very, were very strongly opinionated on who goes where. And I'm telling y'all, bro, if y'all ever, if y'all ever need anything from me, just ask me after an Eagles loss and I'll probably say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a Man, little disappointed. There's a lot we didn't of salt have, going uh, on Sunday night. Yeah. I'm still a little disappointed we didn't have Vikings one. I'm, bro, I'm just telling you, bro. With, I mean, two extremes. <laughs> look, look. If they lose to the Broncos this week, I, I think they're at 32. We'll be at 32. So I, I think you might get your wish sooner than number sooner one overall pick coming to the Raiders. All right. Well. Uh, that wraps it up, so uh, we'll take another break, and then we'll jump into our last segment, which will be what coaches we have on the hot seat. So we'll see you guys back here in a second. Welcome back, guys. We're here to start our last segment, which is what coaches we have on the hot seat. Uh, Pete, you can go ahead and get us started with Nathaniel Hackett from the Broncos. <laughs> How have you viewed his performance this season? What do you think he needs to do to improve? Or do you think it's just a recipe for failure? Man, you know, it's kind of hard because oh, his team success is so – or I don't know if you want to call it success at all. I mean, he has – the number one defense in the league, but he also has the 32nd ranked offense in the league. So he needs to, he needs to get on. Maybe it's Russell Wilson's injuries. Maybe these injuries are made up just to cover Russell Wilson's ass. I don't know. Maybe the bad trade that they made, but he has dealt with a couple injuries. I mean, now Jerry Judy's hurt. Their running back play hasn't losing Latavius Murray, obviously not Latavius Murray, but uh, Javante Williams. losing uh, Javante Williams was a huge hit to them. Man, it's it's hard to say with with Nathaniel Hackett, bro. I mean, did you, if he could just get his offense to score twenty points a game, bro, they would be eight and one. That is how good their defense is. Yeah. So, I think if he can get his offense to turn it around and start scoring a couple a couple touchdowns a game, I mean, that's all they need, then I think he'll be safe at the end. I mean, but as of right now, that trade is looking horrible. Russell Wilson's looking bad. The injuries are looking bad. I don't – he's like one of those scapegoats you are talking about. I think he's he's just going to be the first one to go. You can't fire anybody on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, look how well they're performing. Yeah. They're kind of stuck with Russell Wilson. They're not going to cut Russell Wilson. So, I mean, he's going to have to go if they keep losing these games. Let, let me ask this. Tony or Blake, do either of you like Hackett or say nah. you think it, he's on the cutting I, block? I think yeah. he's the most on the cutting block out of all the coaches recovering today. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll see this week when he goes up against Josh McDaniels, who we thought 
or who I thought would be on the hot seat, but obviously Mark Davis came out and ensured that his job is safe. So we'll see how the Broncos perform this weekend against a pretty weak Raiders team. Blake, I guess we can't necessarily say if Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur is on the hot seat or not. Uh, he's a coach that I don't think has really convinced anybody that he's a true head coach. And with all the drama of is Aaron Rodgers leaving this season, you could see them maybe trying to hit the rebuild button. Do you think Matt LaFleur stays? Do you think he's the answer there in Green Bay? And how much of an impact do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to have? So... I, I don't think Matt LaFleur is on the necessarily on the hot seat to be gone this year. Um, I do think it's a matter of it's either him or Aaron Rodgers. And as an organization, I really think it's time for them to move away from Aaron Rodgers. They need to see what they have when Jordan Love before they can start giving up another pick. But he's, he's a good coach. I mean, the, his first three seasons, excluding this season so far, as a head coach with the Green Bay Packers, he's won 13 games in each each year. Yeah. And the two previous seasons... The Devontae Adams effect. Hey, it could be. It could be. But also, back in 2017, when he was the offense coordinator with the Rams, he did have the number one offense points-wise, number 10 in yards. And then in 2018, as an offensive coordinator, they did struggle a little bit, only 27th in points and 25 in yards. So I'm curious on what he can do without Aaron Rodgers going yeah. forward. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to have to stick with Matt LaFleur based on the last three years and see ride with them. Hopefully they can find another quarterback. Yeah. Sorry, I was distracted by Tony playing with his pussy. Uh, <laughs> Tony, as a Viking fan, how uh, how about you chime in a little bit? Tell us what you think about Matt Lafleur. I think Matt Lafleur is uh, the best coach the Packers have had um, in the Rodgers era. Uh, I think that he brought more than uh, more of an offensive package for Aaron Rodgers to work with, a more comprehensive playbook with him. Um, into Green Bay than what he had with his previous mm -hmm. coach. Um, so I think that ultimately they just need to – the biggest issue with the Packers is honestly their front office more than anything. They've been unwilling to commit, um, and so is Aaron Rodgers really, and I think that's where it comes from. The Packers don't want to commit to him, and he hasn't yeah. really uh, – been as committed to the Packers as he could be, so they haven't been able to buy in and put together a contending roster this year. They had one the last couple of years, and I don't think that Lafleur is the reason they lost the last two playoff games that they have lost. Um, I think it uh, it comes down yeah. to other factors outside of him. Yeah, uh, LaFleur reminds me a lot of another head coach in the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley. Tony, talk to us a little bit about where you view Brandon Staley for the Chargers. And do you think it's time for them to make a split there? I don't think it is yet. 
I think they need to get rid of uh, Madden, uh, their uh, offensive coordinator there. I think he's been the biggest issue for the development of Justin Herbert down in Los Angeles. Uh, but I also think that some of that does come down to um, Staley. I don't think his seat's cold by any means. I don't think they're going to fire him this offseason either. I think they give him one more year and see if he's the problem. Um, because, you know, you have what many consider to be a generational talent at quarterback. And it seems like since his rookie year, um, I believe Anthony Lynn was the head coach that year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it seems like since that rookie year where he broke um, the rookie record for passing yards, it seems like the Chargers offense has become more and more conservative and more and more based around getting Austin Eckler the ball than it is about utilizing your generational talent at quarterback and having him make plays and having him um, create the offense. And uh, a lot of the Chargers' woes have been injury-related the last couple of seasons. But if you look past the injuries, you see a, a team that, you know, is checking the ball down a lot more, a team that isn't really spreading out the field uh, for someone with Justin Herbert's caliber. So we'll see what happens with their offensive coordinator. Um, and if that doesn't fix the problem, then I think it's time to consider some head coaching change in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone kind of forgets how much praise Justin Herbert was getting this offseason. The Chargers were a lot of people's dark, dark horse Super Bowl contenders. They had all this hype surrounding them. And I agree with you in the sense that injuries have a lot to do with why they're playing the way they are and where they are, where they're at in the standings and in the rankings. But I do think Brandon Staley is responsible for a lot of the Chargers. Um, lo a lot of their losses and the fact that they haven't been as successful as a lot of people thought they would be. Uh, his play calling is questionable at times. Or, sorry, his, his game management is what's questionable at times. And you see that a lot with coaches like Nathaniel Hackett. A lot of these coaches who are on the hot seat are ones Cl Cliff Kingsbury, who we're going to talk about shortly, aren't the best game managers. So I think maybe for Justin Herbert's success, I think it's important to pair him with someone who, like a Kyle, Shana Kyle Shanahan or a Brian Dable, one of these offensive minds who's really going to bring the best out of Herbert. Eric Benemy. Eric Benemy from the Chiefs, you know. He he has all all the experience with Mahomes. That that's actually a great one, Pete. I would I would actually really like to see. Eric that would be Benny nuts if in, that uh, happened in Los Angeles. I don't know, Herbert. I don't know how all these other coaches with no NFL coaching experience are getting jobs over him, bro. It blows my mind every year. And, and maybe it's just the superstar status of Mahomes, where they think it's more Mahomes than it is the coordinator. Uh, I mentioned. Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach for the Cardinals, uh, he has a tw uh, 28-30-1 record uh, with Arizona since joining the team in 2019. Uh, like I mentioned, he's a coach that doesn't have the best game management. 
And there's obviously some kind of a rift between him and star quarterback Kyler Murray. They don't seem to get along the best. They don't seem to always be on the same page. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. And I don't think he's the coach for the Cardinals. Especially in a tough NFC West division. I think D-Hop is a lifesaver for Kyler. And the Arizona offense, that was obviously just trash without him, if I'm being honest. James Conner's healthy again, so I think the Cardinals are going to start playing better. But Cleve Kingsbury is definitely one of those coaches that I could see uh, the team moving on. One of those coaches I can see a team moving on from in order to try and compete with some of the top teams in the NFL. Either of you guys have an opinion on Cliff? I don't think the Zach Ertz injury helped at all. I mean, he's going to have to figure out a way to use the offense, maybe get Rondell Moore the ball more um, out of the slot. Yeah, Rondell Moore had 13 targets. I think he has like yeah, four or five he's gonna have, over 11. He's going to have to keep getting him the ball. Um, A.J. Green uh, kind of took over Hollywood Brown's role in a sense when you look at that team. Yeah. I don't know why they. I don't know why they brought Robbie Anderson in if they're not going to use him at all. So, I mean, Greg Dortch, they have Greg Dortch as well. I mean, he has the offensive weapons. Um, James Conner, I mean, he's, he's he's a touchdown machine. I'm not saying – he's not really a scary yeah. running back to me, but, I mean, the way they utilize him, it obviously works. I mean, I get – who cares if you're getting the yards, if you're getting all the touchdowns. So, um, we'll see how he finishes the season with a, with Hopkins back. I think he can at least get his record over 500 by the end of the season. Um, so I think that'll be a plus for him. But it's either going to be him or Kyler, bro. I mean, I don't know that they can even let Kyler go. No. But Not I don't see – it's just so hard. I mean, I don't see – yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't see who they who they go get really. I mean, that's a tough situation for uh, – for, for, the Cardinals in general, bro. Yeah. I, I, obviously, these coaches are on the hot seat for a reason because we don't think they might necessarily be the answer for where they're at. There is one head coach who has been successful in his career that I kind of want to bring up real quick and let me know who you guys think he would fit perfectly with. Um, he's a head coach who I thought would have been perfect with the Cowboys due to his I already know who you're gonna say. ties with Texas. But I think the Cowboys' success this season has kind of shut that door for now. Um, no, it hasn't. <laughs> but obviously with Dallas, the Jets, that kind of media, you you never know with how, if, how head coaches are going to fare, if they're going to be there for a while or not. I think he'd be a great fit in Los Angeles with the Chargers. If you put him with Justin Herbert... The Chargers and the Cowboys are, are are the two favorite teams to get them. I, I think that would be amazing. But Blake, Tony, and then you too, Pete. What do you guys think about the sweepstakes for Sean Payton? Is the former head coach of the Saints, a Super Bowl head coach, a coach that's obviously well respected? What team do you think he fits in the best with and gives him the best chance for success? I mean, I don't know who he fits in the best with, but goddamn, the Saints want him back, bro. 
<laughs> they yeah, fucking Dan- want him Wait, back. Dennis Allen wasn't the answer, and he was I a could, great I defensive coordinator. I could have told. He was you a that. great defensive coordinator, but that head coach job just is not for him. I mean, and me being a Cowboys fan, I mean, Mike McCarthy has done a great job, a great job coaching this year. It kind of sounds absurd to say, but even though our defense has been as good as they have been, Dan Quinn isn't making enough adjustments. He's just sticking to what is working. Yeah. So uh, if for some reason they let McCarthy go, yes, I'd love Sean Payton. But as of now, I would I would like to see him go to the Chargers way more than I'd like to see him come to the Cowboys. Yeah. Blake? I agree with Pete on that. I think his best fit would be with the Chargers. A team that's got talent already. He doesn't have to start from scratch. And he can just come in and build a winning culture with them. So I think he would fit in perfectly with the Chargers. Tony, how do you feel about Sean Payton? I think he's too good for the Chargers organization. I don't think Sean Payton needs to be tainted. (laughs) Needs to be tainted by the Spanos family and their bullshit. I think Sean Payton... I will say it... I think Sean Payton or Justin Herbert or both of them combined can overcome the toxic culture that is the Los Angeles Chargers front office. I truly think that it's unfortunate because they're both great. I think Herbert is great. I think he's fantastic. And we know that Sean Payton is a great coach and brings a great culture with him. But I think that, A, I don't think he's going to end up on the Chargers and B, if he went to the Chargers, I could see the whole thing just imploding from a mile away. Um, despite how great of a fit it could be, I just I, I would trust the Chargers to fuck it up somehow. And I was going to say, uh, I know it might have seemed a little off the wall for me to bring up the Dan Quinn, but I think with all these all these coaches we talked about, Dan Quinn is a uh, he's a pretty high commodity when it comes to these head coaching positions he was expected to leave last year but he stayed with Dallas as a defensive coordinator I know the Broncos said they're they're really heavy on getting him if they do fire Nathaniel Hackett so uh, I think if any of these coaches do go uh, Dan Quinn will be in the conversation along with uh, maybe Sean Payton I will add one thing I'm tired of these head coaches like Sean Payton recruiting Lamar Jackson I've seen that. All all of them are trying to recruit Lamar Jackson, Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, uh, the Giants freaking head coach, everyone that plays the Ravens or even talks about the Ravens when it comes to a head coach, you're like, he's a free agent. Sean Payton said he's a free agent. So it's like, (laughs) man, I'm tired of it. Y'all should have paid that. It would be interesting to see – It'll be interesting seeing Sean Payton uh, leave the league for uh, a year or however long. He's been gone one year. Um, It'll be interesting to see him leave and come back and see how much that affects him. Um, We don't see it too often where a coach comes back and they're super successful. I mean, McCarthy's barely over 500 as the Cowboys head coach, and he took a a year or two off as well and said he studied the analytics of the game and knew how to run the offense and what to do when he came back and – I don't think I've seen enough of a change from him in Green Bay, to be honest with you. So the the best thing you can hope for is Sean Payton is just the same coach that he was in New Orleans. You Hopefully he didn't take the take the time off and change too much of his outlook. 
Yeah, uh, real quick, I'll, I'll put in this last little piece there before we we end our episode. Uh, Kirk Morrison was actually covering for Rich Ice for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen podcast, and he said if he was an owner looking for a head coach, he's looking for three things specifically. One is your coach a leader of men. Two is he going to bring an offensive coordinator that is new and innovative and is going to build around the quarterback and three he wants a defensive coordinator who's old school who's going to tackle well play good defense and has seen every offense around and hearing him say that was something that really stuck to me especially with how the Raiders are dealing with Josh McDaniels and I thought that should be the basic blueprint for any head coach trying to find a job and an owner trying to find a head coach for that team. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it was a good it was a good week. It's a good episode to talk about this, and we're running a little late. So, uh, any last thing you guys want to mention before we we finish this episode? No, I mean I'll say one thing that you you just gave them uh them three the head coach blueprint, as you call it. And that second one really stood out, man. I mean, so many of these, so many of these offensive coordinators are changing the way they play. You know, the, obviously the quarterback changes played a lot as we've talked about in a previous episode, but uh, you definitely need somebody with a younger mindset, if that makes sense, that will go out there and be willing to go away from maybe a super run heavy offense or maybe run more RPOs, you know, get the offense more involved or, kind of what the Bears are doing right now, don't be scared to tailor your offense to your quarterback or your running back. You know, like, you don't need to – just because you had something in your head don't mean you have to run that. Change it up and do what's best for your team rather than getting rid of a quarterback or a running back just because you couldn't make it work with them. I mean, my my example would be the Giants. Look at the Giants. You get an offensive mind in Brian Dable who's catering that offense towards what Daniel Jones is – and then they hire a defensive coordinator that Blake knows very well in uh, Wink Martindale. So uh, I think it's a good blueprint. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody for joining us for this episode. And lastly, right before we end it here, I just wanted to give a quick shout out and say uh, that we give our prayers out to the families and the members of the Virginia shooting. We lost three football players, and two of them were obviously injured in, in the hospital. So I think it was important that I gave a quick little shout-out and mention on that. So we hope that the friends and the families and the loved ones of these players that love the sport just the same way we do um, find some peace in, in the tragedy that happened. So I want to thank everybody again for being with us, and we'll see you guys soon for our fifth episode. Peace. What up, guys? It's Steve Marquez with the Prime with the Prime Sports Crew. We got Tony and we got Pete uh, Blake. Wasn't available today, so he's not going to be joining us. 
But we're going to go ahead and dive right into our biggest news of the week. Uh, We hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving and spent their time with their family and their friends and they got to watch some football. And that kind of starts with, you know, John Madden always said that football doesn't start till after Thanksgiving. And I think we kind of saw some key matchups this week. And then some key matchups we're going to end up seeing this next coming week. But as far as this week went, we had Mike White was announced the starter for the Jets. Uh, Obviously, Zach Wilson was benched after he's clearly lost the locker room. He hasn't been playing well. And the Jets have a really good run game and defense. So the passing game has been lacking. So Mike White comes out and starts... And and throws for 315 yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. I mean, this team looked motivated. They looked fun. Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson both looked like stud receivers because they were finally able to get the ball in their hands and utilize the tools in their skill set to put on a show. And they came out and they won. And they won pretty easily. They looked really good. What do you guys think about Mike White and the Jets? I'm excited for him, bro. I mean, the fact that he can come into a team that was, you can say so broken and falling apart, but still had the record to come into a team that is possibly still making the playoffs and a play like that, I think it's exciting for him. And we know how good Elisha Moore and Garrett Wilson can be whenever Zach Wilson isn't the quarterback. So I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see – Mike White, keep going. I mean, he's done things that Zach Wilson can't even dream of doing. So it sucks they don't have Brees Hall, though. I mean, I can't imagine that offense with Mike White and Brees Hall back there. Yeah, that that'd be fun to watch. Um, Tony, how do you feel about Mike White? Um, I think that uh, I agree with something that Colin Coward said. Um, it's that results matter more than – or no, wait – that wasn't Colin Coward. That was Richard Sherman. I'm sorry, Richard Sherman, if you ever hear this shit, my bad. But uh, he said results <laughs> matter more than fucking – he said results matter more than potential. And he said that Mike White should be the starter because he's produced results. Zach Wilson and all of his potential can sit on the bench. Um, and Mike White has been a serviceable starter. Um, he did have another big game coming in. Last year, I believe it was, um, but he was also mediocre from then on. So I'd like to see some more continued success from Mike White. Um, but, you know, he's definitely clearly the better quarterback, and he has the locker room. You know, Elijah Moore was demanding a trade, so I think he's a little bit happier with the amount of targets and, uh, you know, looks he's getting his way with Mike White as opposed to Zach Wilson. I think that means a lot to the Jets. Yeah, no, he he looked good, and I think he kind of gave a lot of Jets fans a little bit of hope. And we're going to dive into their matchup against your Vikings a little bit later. But it seems like quarterbacks are kind of headlining our biggest news of the week. Pete, finally coming back from suspension after a very long offseason, Deshaun Watson is going to make his return against his former team, the Houston Texans, 
and he goes under center for the Cleveland Browns, who just came off a big overtime win against the Bucks in a somewhat competitive AFC North. What do you make of Deshaun Watson's return, and what do you think the response is going to be from fans as soon as he steps onto that field? Bro, I think a lot of people are going to be mad that he's coming back into the NFL and he's going to be a starter and he's going to play a football game. But when it comes to his play on the field, and he's been out 700 days, 700-plus days since he's played an NFL snap. But I'm excited to see him, bro. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, obviously he's not a Deshaun Watson. He's been he's been decent while uh, he's covering for Deshaun Watson. But look at Deshaun Watson and who he was with last time. Look at the Texans roster that he had. I mean, he has a better starting running back. He has a better Dude. tight end. Yeah, better two starting running backs, a better tight end. He has Amari uh, Cooper, which is probably his best wide receiver one he's had. Um, and he got his rushing ability. I'm super excited to see Deshaun Watson come out and see what he can do. Um, one thing I am a little nervous about is I've seen some uh, some practice clips of him throwing with his receivers this week, and he throws the ball too hard for him. There was a couple of videos where there was multiple drops in a row. They're not used to that zip on the ball because I guess yeah. Kobe Brissett just don't have the power behind it. But, um, man, I'm excited to see him, bro. I mean, that I've been talking to a couple people all year about the Browns being super competitive. I mean, they got they got beat pretty handily two times this year, and I want to say that's it. Every other game was a one-score game or less. Yeah. Um, so I think when they have that Deshaun Watson back there, once he gets the rust out, hopefully it don't take too long, or hopefully he just comes out firing on all cylinders. We'll see how – how, uh, what his sense of urgency is. Hopefully he doesn't make any mistakes. But overall, bro, I'm excited for it. he has a big it. game? I mean, I, I can't go against him because I've seen what he's done on the field. I think he could – and the fact that it's against the Texans, the worst team in the league, I think he comes yeah. out there and has a big game after maybe a rough first couple drives. Yeah. Tony, how, how do you feel about Deshaun's return? Man, I just got to get one thing off my chest. Pete. How could you forget about D-Hop, bro? You said Amari Cooper might be the best receiver he's had, bro. He had prime D-Hop. Yeah, I mean, I I, I forgot he had D-Hop over there. I know. It's because they traded him for fucking peanuts. Um, And then that's when the team got bad. (laughs) It's crazy how that works. But, I mean, I don't know. I think he's going to come out looking rusty 700-plus days of no football. Granted, he has been practicing. He has been working out. He has been staying... Um, in shape, but, you know, they say there's a difference between in shape and in game shape, so we'll see how he does. Um, but the Texans are pretty bad. I could see this being a little bit of a of a big overreaction game and that the Texans pull out and win. They're motivated and emotional. Deshaun Watson's rusty. Maybe they sneak a win from this uh, Cleveland team that has a lot of high hopes. Um with their current positioning in the AFC right now, um, they have to win a lot of games in a row. So hopefully that the rush streak with Deshaun Watson doesn't last too long. And, um, you know, if they're going to have a chance at, you know, scrapping together this season where they're without their um, now franchise quarterback for most of the year, hopefully they can pull it together at the end there. What other um, receivers does he have over there besides Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper? 
Is it the best wide receiver core he's had? Minus, obviously, he doesn't have D-Hop, but... I don't know. Cause from tight end to wide receivers? I mean, look at the plays that Njoku made last week. Between those three, probably. And the running back, I mean, he's got Nick Chubb in the backfield, so... No, yeah, I mean, it's obviously the best offense he's ever had, for sure, like, <clears throat> as a whole. I feel like but you need to the see good thing how they is all that work he together. doesn't have to do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he should take it easy, hand the ball off to Nick Chubb, do some play-action passes, nothing crazy. That's not, what, that's not what people want to see against the Texans, though, bro. They want to see him go out there and sling that motherfucker. I, I think I think the Texans are going to have a lot of fans this weekend, though. For sure, a lot of people yeah. are going to be rooting for Houston to mm-hmm. pull, pull this one out. Um, Another quarterback touching, you know, headlining biggest news is Jordan Love. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with some injuries, most notably, or most recently, his ribs. Um, I believe his x-rays and his came back good. I don't think he's going to miss any serious time. And I don't think he has any intention of missing any time. But the little bit of action that we did see from Jordan Love from this past game, what did you guys make of it? And do you think it's kind of time to give Jordan Love his his chance personally i i haven't been a big fan of him i don't i think he could be a decent quarterback but i don't have a lot of like i wouldn't put money that he's gonna be a a star but what do you what do you guys think of jordan love well i think that um i think that the potential for him to be the starting quarterback in green bay is there i mean when you look what he did at just a little over a quarter of football um, six of nine passing 113 yards, that big touchdown toss to Chris Watson. And I feel like if they would have given him the chance on fourth and goal to go get a touchdown instead of taking the three, I know that they were going to try and kick the three and then stop, get a stop on defense and then score a touchdown. But I feel like if they would have given him the green light to score a touchdown, he would have gotten them a second one. Um, he finished with a 94.2 QBR which is a lot better than Aaron Rodgers. I think he was in the mid-30s with his QBR. Uh, he threw for just over 130 um, in two touchdowns, two interceptions. Rodgers hasn't been the answer for them. I don't think he's been necessarily the big problem. Uh, but I feel like this team needs to go in a different direction, and I think Jordan Love might be that direction. He did look poised. He looked like he'd been in the offense for a while. And I know you haven't really been a big fan of him, but I was a a fan of his going into the draft that year. I feel like that there was a first-round quarterback talent that just needed some coaching up, was a bit of a prospect or a project. And I thought that he could be a starter in this league and a real good one too. And that one quarter, it's not nearly a big enough sample size to say that he's going to be this or that, but. I feel like that one quarter sample size is just enough for me to say, give the kid a chance. I don't think Rodgers is coming back to Green Bay next season. So why not give Jordan Love some snaps, see how he works in the offense? Yeah, Pete, what what do you think of him? Uh, compared to what he looked like last year in the games that he did play um, and what he looked like in the preseason, there were two, looked like two totally different quarterbacks. I mean, like Tony said, he's a lot more poised. He took control of the offense, and 
He was throwing some good balls, man. I mean, he was he had some zip behind that motherfucker when he was throwing it. And I mean, you've seen it with Aaron Jones on the sideline. It bounced right off of his chest because he wasn't expecting it to come that fast. To him. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see him use his legs a little bit more. But I mean, the Packers, they're, that was a big game to lose. They had to win that game for them to really have a, to me, have a chance in the playoff race. So with Rodgers yeah. battling a thumb injury, his rib injury, I don't see, maybe because they're paying him, what, $50 million this year, they want to keep playing him. They want to get what they can out of him before he leaves. But I don't see why you don't just put Jordan Love in there and, like you said, get us some snaps. I mean, if he is going to be your future starter, your future franchise quarterback, if he is going to have a little bit of that, I know he's not a rookie anymore, but if he's going to go out there and play, make some rookie mistakes, I mean, why not get that out of the way now and have him come into next year feeling good? Yeah. No, I mean, I might not be the biggest fan of him, but he definitely played a lot better than I thought he would. If he did look pretty good, I'll give him that. And I agree. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I had the hot take that he should go to the 49ers next season. And, we, you know, we can touch on those kind of those kind of rumors and little hot takes later on in the offseason. But, yeah, uh, I think that kind of ends that part of it. I wanted to kind of touch on the comebacks and the overtime thrillers from this past weekend because I felt like there was a lot of good games that came down to the wire. Pete, or actually Tony, go ahead and get us started off with the Chargers comeback win against Arizona and Justin Herbert's touchdown to Eckler and then the two-point conversion to Gerald Everett to give them the win. What would you think of that? And I think the Chargers are what have Justin Herbert has what four comeback wins this year or something like that yeah, yeah. I think that's what I've seen too four of them <laughs> sorry about that he's a social media quarterback though I guess but uh <laughs> <laughs> I think that you can't look at this final drive without looking at the two drives before it um that first attempt the Chargers had I think they had about six seven minutes left on the clock to go and drive down and tie the game up. And the drive started with uh, almost a near interception by Justin Herbert. Um, they reviewed it, um, and it was ruled that it was incomplete. Um, but then the drive does stall out. They have to punt it. And I think that this is where my main point about this Chargers comeback, it starts off with three important things here, special teams, defense, and coaching. Special teams pinned the Cardinals deep into their own territory. Those are great punts. The defense comes up with a sack and the stop to ice out the drive. And Brandon Staley finally woke up and managed the fucking clock. Um, he was able to get Justin yeah. Herbert the ball back at the two-minute warning. And the special teams comes up again. They had a nice punt return there. And they were able to set up Herbert with short field and you know kind of handed him the comeback win right there I would say he did complete it you know you do still have to go down there and get the ball to your playmakers Gerald Everett um and Austin Eckler were both really instrumental in that win as well um you could make the case for Eckler being offensive player of the year 
He has an absurd amount yeah. of touchdowns this year. Um, and he's, he's been the most insane amount of receptions. Most consistent receiving option on the Chargers all year. Um, so I, I also think it was important that Herbert was able to get away from the pass rush and make some plays with his athleticism this drive. Um, sacks late in games yeah. have been a real problem for the Chargers, which have turned into interceptions and turnovers and those kind of things. Just, you know, and then the gutsy call right there at the end to go for two. Um, I know that uh, Brandon Staley gets a lot of crap for going it for it on fourth down and taking too many chances. And they call him analytics boy. Um, but when it works, you look like the smartest man in the room. And when it doesn't work, you look like an idiot. So, um, but he made the call and Justin Herbert made the right read. And that was all she wrote. A tough win for a struggling Chargers team. Another deflating loss for a Cardinals team that is disappointing this year. And you really can't point yeah. to one injury or one big event that killed it for them. I just think that they've been bad this year. They have tools around them. Yeah. So it's really disappointing to see how bad they've been. Um, I think if the Chargers had a healthy O-line and a healthy defense, they would be, I, I think they'd be the fifth seed. I think they would be in contention, one of the better wild card teams. I don't think they'd be beating the Chiefs for the AFC yeah. West or anything, but I think if they could have had a lot more health, especially at their O-line, their O-line has been really bad this year. I think they could be good, but, you know, other players on the team stepped up when it mattered, and uh, it was a it was an everybody effort for them that game. Yeah, it, it was a big win, and especially with the playoff race starting to heat up, I think it was one that they really needed. And they're going to Vegas to face the Raiders this upcoming week. So it'll be interesting to see how they come in and see if they can string another win after after that Arizona win. Pete, the Browns had an overtime win against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Yeah. With a crazy clutch catch by Njoku for the touchdown. One handed, it was beautiful. Um which kind of hurt the Bucks who are trying to take control of the NFC South, who are trying to put a few wins together in a row, and they just can't seem to make it happen. What did you make of the Browns' win, and what kind of positions does that put them with Deshaun Watson coming back like we had just talked about? Yeah, bro, that was a, that was a huge win for them. Uh, and it was a huge win for a couple NFC teams that want to make the playoffs and that needed the Bucks to lose because, you know, everybody knows Tom Brady and, what he's capable of. So to see Tom Brady lose a clutch game like that or a, a big game like that in the fourth quarter uh, or over, I don't remember if it was overtime or not. I think it was overtime. Um, But to see him lose a game like that to the Browns, it, it has to send mixed emotions to the Browns and their players. I mean, to come off a huge win like that, um, a comeback win and how clutch some of the players were at the end of the game. I mean, Amari made some catches. Brissett was he was playing good. Yeah. Um, I mean, the David and Joku catch like that's that was a 
it was an insane catch. It's a great catch. Uh, it, he couldn't have been more clutch. So I think it kind of it's kind of a problem for the Browns. I mean, you come off a win like that, and then you're going to change your starting quarterback. I mean, I know they gave Deshaun Watson what 230 million. He's he's available to come back to play, um, but just imagine Deshaun Watson comes out there and he plays like shit. I mean, what are they going to think? Like, Jacoby Brissett's been competitive all year. Are we going should, should we put him back? We know that's not going to happen. But um, what I think what I took away most from the game was the way the Bucks played, bro. I mean, Chris Godwin got so much work in the first half, and it seems like he just. I want to say he got two, three targets in the second half. It wasn't very many. They just stopped going to him. Um, Mike Evans, I mean, he he's going to do what he does. He didn't get many looks in the first half. Got a couple more in the second half. Not many catches, but he did draw some big, uh, some big pass interference calls. So, and I mean, the Bucks are getting healthier. I mean, they maybe have what two or three injuries out right now, like big, like starters, starter wise, some some big injuries that could help them. I know they lost uh they lost one of their linemen for I think it said the season, Nine which that, that's a big hit. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see the Browns play, bro. I mean, after that game, I just I just want to watch them because they're a competitive team and I love seeing Tom Brady lose this late in the season. I know it's looking like we're gonna play him first round. More than likely we are. Um and I'll take that matchup any day, but still it's it's Tom Brady at the end of the day. At least we ain't playing Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I mean, you always want to try to avoid playing uh, players like Brady and Rodgers in the playoffs. So, it for for a different for an opposing team, you definitely wouldn't want to see them in the playoffs. Another close game that we had that had playoff implications was the Washington Commanders were playing the Atlanta Falcons, who are also trying to overcome the Buccaneers for the NFC South divisional lead. It was a low scoring game. Both both offenses seemed to struggle a little bit to score with the commanders having a 19-13 lead late in the fourth quarter and the Falcons actually driving down the field. Mariota looked good and it looked like they were getting ready to score right before the ball gets tipped and intercepted to seal the win for the Commanders by Kendall Fuller, who also had a pick six, I believe, the week before against the Texans. Yeah, it was like the first, what, first play of the game, something like that last week? Yeah, something like that. So the Commanders win again. If the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs, and they were just playing extremely well behind Taylor Heineke, and that defense, Chase Young couldn't play this game because of an illness, but he's supposed to make his debut this week, so they're finally going to get him back. What do we, what do we think about the Commanders? And what do you think they can actually make the playoffs? Man, I think it's possible, bro. I mean, look at the teams that they're that are they're around in the wild card race. I mean, since week six, they're the hottest team in the league by record-wise. I mean, obviously, they're not going to go out there and put up 40 points a game or do anything crazy, but they're going out there and winning. I mean, and ultimately, that's what matters to get you into the playoffs is wins. 
Um, yeah. Even though they're a rival in our division, bro, I love watching Taylor Heineke play. I mean, he puts it all out there on the field. He's just, he's just the type of young player that you'd want to lead your franchise. I mean, I mean, <laughs> how much, how much, how many people would actually want Carson Wentz back there over Taylor Heineke? I don't think anybody would. Nah. So I mean, see Taylor Taylor Heineke come out there. Brian Robinson is starting to um, he's starting to show up a lot more. He's getting a lot more active. Yeah, he had still got Antonio yards. Gibson. Um, I wish he would throw Terry McLaurin the ball a little bit more. I mean, nobody can really stop Terry McLaurin. I mean, he's number one in the league in contested catches since he came into the league. So I love watching Taylor Heineke play, bro. Yeah. And like I said, even though they're a rival, it, I just think it would be badass to see the whole NFC East take all them wild card spots and the, okay. the number one seed. So that shit would be dope as hell to me. So I'm, I'm rooting for them. Yeah, that, that'd be wild. Um, they they kind of have a weird schedule. They play the Giants this coming week. Then they have a bye week. And then they play the Giants again. The NFC East seems to all be playing each other late at the end of the season here. What do you guys think about that schedule? And do you think, I mean, these two games for them is pretty much going to determine their season. If they can win yeah. both of those games, I think they're in. And then now the Giants are probably out for losing both those games. Yeah, I was just about to say that. If they can beat the Giants both times, I don't know the statistics or if they can lock it in as a wild card, it might it's probably going to come down to the last game because all them teams are one game apart from each other. So I mean, if they could beat the Giants both times, bro, it, that, that I'd rather see the Commanders in the Giants. So it'd be it'd be dope as hell to see the Giants Commanders the knock Eagles. the Giants out. The, the, I think the Giants play the Eagles in between the Commanders. That's a rough. Yeah, I'm not sure because I know we play the Eagles on the we play the Eagles on the 24th, and I think there's. One more game after that. Yeah, yeah. I, is it? You know, it's kind of interesting to see, and it's always crazy because I feel like the moment you play a team a second time, right after, it's completely different. One team just completely takes everything from the first game and runs away with it. So it's gonna be interesting to see if one team adjusts. And then they split one one, or you know, one one of the teams just finally was like, nope, we're gonna take this playoff spot and we're gonna ruin it for the other team. Um, I think that pretty much is gonna wrap up our biggest news of the week. We have a couple other good close games that we'll talk about, like the Ravens and the Jaguars and the Raiders and the Seahawks. But we're gonna take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the game recaps and the previews. Welcome back, everybody. Here we're getting ready to start with our game recaps. Tony, on Thanksgiving, your Minnesota Vikings face the New England Patriots coming off uh, a bad loss against the Cowboys the week before. You guys needed to bounce back. And you guys ended up putting up 33 on a good Patriots defense. So your offense kind of put those, those talks to, you know, you know, to an end that you guys are okay. It was kind of a fluke game. 
what did you guys think about your performance? And do you think you can finish off the season strong? Absolutely, I do. We exercised the demons. All right. We um, we ate dry turkey, as is Midwest tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Thielen was spitting it out. Um, but what a... What a game! Uh, yeah, what a game for the entire team. Um, it was a really entertaining game uh, from start to finish. Uh, I really think that if you, you know, if there were any worries about this team being able to score the ball, I think we put those to rest because we scored when we need to. Um, it was a back and forth game the whole game, start to finish. Um, and Mac Jones had arguably his best game of the season, uh, 382 yeah. yards, I believe, two touchdowns, 28 of 39 through the air. Um, but despite how well Does he that played the Vikings. you a little bit? Well, it concerns me a little bit, but what I like to see is that there were multiple drives where despite Mac Jones playing better than he should, we were able to hold him to three. Hold him to three. I think that's been the Vikings' mo all year: is just try Man, and hold him to break. three. Whenever we screw up on offense, Kirk had an early interception. Um, you know, we, we we gave him the short field a couple of times. The D still managed to force field goals. So that that's the saving grace on the defensive side. Um, on the offensive side. I really love seeing Justin Jefferson continue to thrive. He broke Randy Moss's record. Um, you got to be happy with how he's been this year. He's been everything and more for this offense. Um, and if he didn't make such a crazy catch against the Bills, he had a crazy catch this game too. Double coverage and he's coming down with it, getting smacked and just coming right back up. He's a tough player. Yep. Um, I like to see see um, Hawk get his first touchdown with the Vikings um, on the goal line there. That was clutch. Um, really love to see it. But back to some of the defensive woes here. Um, the patch, the Patriots, Patriots, the Patriots. Um, some of their lesser known <laughs> guys came to play. They had five players with over sixty yards receiving. Um, I feel like all of the guys mm. that were scapegoated into saying they have no weapons kind of showed some flashes this game. Um, but, you know, we had a lot of things go our way. We had the 97-yard kick return for a touchdown. Hunter Henry's second touchdown was overturned on a somewhat controversial call. Kid, bro. Yeah, we, I have we, no we statement have on a that. segment where we... <laughs> where what where we catch? try and talk about what's a catch. Did you guys what's see the, the catch um, in the Raider game? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, need, I need to go back and find it. But yeah, the, the, there was a very close call on a catch that they called incomplete. The DK Metcalf one? And it would have... Yes, yes, yes. The DK oh, okay. Yeah, I did, yeah. See that. I did see that. The DK yeah. one. Like and that was that wasn't a catch. Book, I don't think it, I don't think you can give that one a catch, but I think you can give fucking Hunter. I don't know. It catch. was hard because his hand was under it. You know, I I don't know. Anyway, 
before before we get off topic here. every team yeah, has those uh, happen to them one way or the other but i think the the yep. thing that kind of put the nail in the coffin just a couple weeks ago facts but surprisingly poor clock management by belichick late in that game you know they they start that drive and they just have no timeouts um mac jones panics doesn't spike the ball tries to throw it up again they could have salvaged another drive the Vikings offense sputtered in the end after that, you know, game winning drive. After that, the Vikings defense couldn't quite get enough first downs to put the Patriots out of it, but they burned too many timeouts. They got the ball back and they couldn't finish the game. And we come away with a win 33, 26, put up a lot of points on uh, a really good defense. I'm, if I remember correctly, um, we didn't surrender any sacks to Matt Judon until I don't think we said we. No, I don't think so. Surrendered anything? I, I, yeah, yeah. I watch his sack count every week because I want Micah to catch up to him. But uh, Steve, we said um, Ramondre Stevenson. I might have been wrong on the pick, but I was three and one on the week. And Ramondre Stevenson did get 112 total yards and most on the team. Yep. So Ramondre's been killing it fantasy wise. That was a good game, bro. Yeah, that was a good ass game. I had fun watching that game. Tony, I I think I think the Vikings need to start giving uh, Kine Nwangu some some more touches. He was electric at uh, Iowa, so I think he kind of brings that another little different aspect. You know, Madison is that, you know tough, hard-nosed runner, you know, get Kine's electrifying speed and agility out there would be kind of fun. Uh, Could be fun. You know who else, before we get into the next one, before, you know who else had a good play? Jalen Rager, your guy. Yeah. Jalen Rager. That's my boy, baby. That's my boy. (laughs) I I seen him out there. I'm hoping for him now that I know that you, you know, that you guys kind of knew each other. I'm rooting for him. I hope he sees some more snaps. Yeah, bro. I mean, when I seen him out there, I was like, at first I was like, that's crazy that he's out there at this <laughs> point in the game because the game's not put away. So when I yeah. seen him out there, I was like, well, I mean, it's exciting for me to see him out there getting catches. But I was thinking in my head, like, I was, why is he out there at the same time? <laughs> well, I think that's kind of how they need to use him, though, like. You target Jefferson a lot, and now you start using Jefferson as the decoy later in the games. And, you know, Thielen is always your your backup. He's your wide receiver, too. So why, when, now once you get both of those two receivers going in a game, that opens up that third and fourth receiver. And I yeah. think that's just kind of how they need to focus on using him a little bit more. And to get a little bit off topic, uh, Jalen coming into the, his draft class was one of the fastest receivers in the class. He put on weight to be more NFL ready. He only ran a four four, but then he lost the weight again when he went uh, for his next season, and he's back down to his college weight, if I'm not wrong. So he's one of the more electrifying, quick players out there. He ran a four two speed before he put on the weight. So if he's back down to that speed, you know, I'm surprised I don't at least try to use him a little bit more. Yeah, uh, for our listeners and our viewers, Jalen Rager is from the same part of Texas as Pete. So Pete's a huge fan. He's a big friend. You know, he supports and he tries to promote Jalen as much as he can. And speaking of Texas, 
a second Thanksgiving game was your Cowboys playing the Giants, which is, again, one of those late divisional games that has playoff yep. implications after you guys blew out the Vikings 40-3. to Everybody wanted to make sure that you guys weren't going to get lazy and let it let a Brian Dable led Giants team that's energized, that's playing well for the majority of the season, come in and beat you guys. What did you think about that game, and what does that mean for you guys moving forward? You know, I don't, I don't think it was a a great game. I think we did what we needed to do to win. Granted, it was our third game in 11 days. So, I mean, you can kind of see why they came out a little bit slow in the first half. I mean, they're playing at the NFL level, bro. I mean, three games in 11 days is kind of crazy. Luckily, we got that we got that time off. We don't play until Sunday night against the Colts. We'll speak about that in a little bit. But, uh, I mean, Dak threw two interceptions again. Um, I, <laughs> I'm on a roller coaster with Dak, bro. He played almost a flawless second half. He looked really good in the second half. Even with his two game, his uh, previous his game against, I believe the Packers, he he threw two as well. Yeah, I look past interceptions because some of these, most of these, aren't his fault. Um, Mike McCarthy even came out and said it in the post game interview that he wants Dak to make that throw. It's just unfortunate the way it happened. I mean, the, you don't expect a backup safety to come in and then jump a receiver's route like that. For that safety to come out there and full deck like that, um, it was a little shocking. I didn't expect it. And it kind of, uh, so, but the second half looked really good, bro. Zeke looked good. He's getting, uh, healthy. He's playing more snaps. He finally, he got to start again after coming off his injury. He's not fully healthy yet, but he's looking better. I mean, our tight end, our tight end group is, uh, they're good, bro. To be a young tight end group like that, they're really good. I know y'all probably seen the hurdle. So, yeah. uh, yes, y'all seen the celebration. So I, I was, I don't think it was a great game, but I was happy with it. They came out there, they put a team away that they should put away with how we've been playing and, uh, with our roster. I can't look pa- as much as I want to talk shit about the Giants. I can't look past them though. They're a good team. They're yeah. playing good this year. I mean, they got a healthy Saquon. Um, the receiving rooms kind of sucks to be honest. I mean, it, it sucks to see that, but it's trash. Um, <laughs> I was happy about the game. I mean, I was watching it with the Packers fans, so I was hearing a lot of shit talk the first half, and it was, it was kind of like, I was like, bro, we're, we cannot come out here and do this. We cannot lose against the Giants. We were we lost the last three Thanksgiving games. So, I mean, that was in the back of my head the whole time in the first half. They came out in the second half, and they were firing on all cylinders. They looked good. Um, so I, I was happy with it. Like I said, it wasn't a great game, though. Um, hopefully we can continue playing like that. We have a pretty healthy team right now. Um, we'll see what happens this week against the Colts. Yeah, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is visiting with the Giants on Thursday. Yeah. So we'll see how that visit goes, and then obviously, which when that he sucks, visits, man. I wish he would have visited us first because you don't like, want I mean, you don't want to let him things, walk out. Yeah, man. exactly. If things go good with that with that visit, and he doesn't sign, we cannot let him leave our facility without a contract. If we if they if they're serious about wanting him, yeah. They, Which I, mean, I think they are obviously. serious about it. I have never in my time as a Cowboys fan um, seen them go after a player so publicly like this. Every single player is talking about it. Every single player is tweeting them. 
I mean, Dak is sending him text messages. I mean, CD wants on Michael Gallup, Zeke. I mean, it's kind of crazy because I've never seen nothing like this. I mean, seen it a little bit with Von Miller because he's from right down the street. He's from Dallas. But other yeah. than Von Miller in the offseason, I've never seen this, bro. Especially Jerry Jones, Mike McCarthy, Stephen Jones to all come out there and say they want him on the team. They want this thrown his helmet. It's, it's kind of crazy to me. I feel like it's making me so excited. I feel like it might not happen, you know? Like, they're building it well, up just to not sign him. You know what? I think it kind of sucks for you guys because I think that's the reason he picked the Giants first. He knows you guys want him so bad that I know – I'm pretty sure he knows that if he walks into that building with you guys, he's going to sign with you guys. So he's so he's going to put the Giants first to see how that goes. And he's like, well, if they can give me an offer I can't refuse, yeah. then, you know, I'm going to pick them. Because if I, if I go to Dallas, I think, I think he signs with you guys. If he, if he goes to Dallas, he's going to sign with you guys. And Michael Gallup is looking a lot better, bro. I mean, I think he's getting a little bit more confident coming off of that knee injury. So he's out there. He's high-pointing the ball. I love the way he high-points the ball. Nope. Doesn't really body catch it. Um, but every time he goes down, you know, it makes me a little nervous because obviously we see repeat knee injuries, like with Odell, for instance, another yeah. knee injury after tearing it. So, T Tony, make a case for Odell going to the Giants. Uh, No, I don't really want to. I think he's going to be a, a cowboy. <laughs> I just yeah, I, like I don't that. see no. why he I don't see why he does go to the Giants, bro. Does he really want Daniel Jones to be his quarterback that badly? I feel like the whole going and visiting the Giants thing has more to do with the fact that he played there before. I think he likes the market there, the media yeah, attention respect he gets while he's there. Um but if he's looking he's at just the X's and Mark O's Lee. That's yeah. true. That's true. But if you look at the X and O's and you look at the the ones and the zeros I think he's just doing it to to make the Cowboys sweat a little bit and give them a little bit more money. He's like, oh, well, you know, I went to, to New York yep. and they said this, that, and the other, you know, but you know what speaks louder than that? The money. So I, I think he's <laughs> just trying to get a, a bigger bag out of it. He's going to be a Cowboy, I think. If I'm proven wrong, I'd be shocked. Uh, yeah, no. Nah. I think everybody wants him to be a cowboy at this point. I, hell, I want him to be a cowboy. Yeah, and I was going to ask y'all with that. How do y'all feel that even that helps our team? You know, y'all aren't Cowboys fans. You know, y'all don't like the Cowboys. But look, especially you, Tony, as a Vikings fan in the NFC, Odell, if he signs with us, what does that make you feel like? Do you think it makes our team better, or do you think it's just we just added another receiver? I think it makes the team better. I think it – I think that is it, you, I know we talk about it all the time. Do you think it makes us any scarier per se? You know, <laughs> uh, not a whole lot, but definitely it it moves the needle for sure a little bit. I don't think it, all of a sudden I'm like freaking out if I'm looking at the playoff bracket and we got you guys in the first or second round. Oh fuck, Odell's gonna get us, man. He's gonna gritty at the bank again. <laughs> But I, I do Not say what? this. He's a good fit for them. I think he brings like a a certain level of energy and skill. And, man, he's, he's just a Dallas type of player. You think of players in Dallas, you think of people 
that are have big personalities that have a lot to say that you have big opinions on and that's OBJ. I, I think he I think it just fits him and the star. I I just think he's the the kind of player that I will say play one well issue there. one issue we have is we ain't got no good number for him, bro. Somebody's gonna have to give this shit up. <laughs> you, you know he'll no pay number for it. For Jerry Jones will make sure he gets whatever number he needs. Yeah, bro. I think if your team wants him as bad as they do, one of those receivers will be like, "Nah, you could take the number." Uh, well, I think it was Colin Coward. I was listening to his podcast. I think I'm pretty sure it was him, and he was like, "All all you need from Odell is two or three plays." Two or three plays down the stretch where he's going to have two or three catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. But that's because you know you can bring him on a slant or on a fade route and you can trust that you'll put it in his hands and he's going to make a play for you. Even if it's for a couple times a game, you know you're getting an electric playmaker. When he's yeah, on he's the he's he's a really he's a really smart vet. So I mean, third downs, I think he'd be a huge part. And if he's not a huge part, you know, they'll at least they'll at least watch him whatever side of the field he's on. And then I think it just opens up that goal line offense a little more because I mean, teams are gonna know we're tempted to throw a jump ball to him or throw an out route to him. So I mean, maybe it'll open up a little bit more for Zeke and Pollard down there. Yeah. Well, moving on to another game. Before we get too caught up, because I'm sure these are the type of conversations we can have all day. The Ravens lost against the Jacksonville Jaguars in that's Florida. That's why Blake's not here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably why he knew, he knew we were going to give him shit. And look, Pete, you know, a, a big thing here is giving each other our flowers because we're very opinionated. We feel very strongly about, you know, our opinions and you know we think the way we do and we you know we try and conform with each other as best as possible but you were the only one who had the Jaguars beating the Ravens the rest of us all thought Lamar was gonna have a big day going back home to Florida me included I thought the same thing but no the Ravens made a trade for Roquan Smith to help them stop giving up leads late in the fourth quarter, (laughs) you know, and Blake's not here. So I can go in and not have to worry about him (laughs) having to fucking argue me back on this shit. (laughs) This is my concern with them. All right. Is still at the end of the day when it mattered, they couldn't win especially after having two disappointing weeks already with their win against the Panthers. It just, yeah, I don't know. I, anyway, the point of this is that um, Trevor Lawrence looked good. He drove down the field. He was composed. Zay Jones was coming up clutch for him and they ended up going for two and getting the win. And, we we all say how Justin Tucker is the GOAT kicker. And I cannot tell you how bad I wanted him to make that field goal. And I'm sure a lot of people did. 67-yard <laughs> try, and he came just about a yard, yard and a half short. It, he wasn't far off. And, I even, and he was upset he didn't make it. I think he thought the same thing. What did you guys make about – what did you guys make of that Jaguars win? 
I think he could have put more on the ball, bro, but it's so far, you know, the, the goalposts are so narrow. He just felt like, damn, I should have put more leg into it and just got the distance rather than the accuracy. But uh, like I said, bro, I, I picked the Jags to win. Um, and I would say mainly I picked the Jags to win just because of the Ravens play recently. I mean, we've had these arguments in our power rankings with where the Ravens belong and how they were barely scraping by against some bad teams. And uh, they finally they finally lost one. They were on a four-game winning streak, barely winning. They finally lost one. Um, Trevor Lawrence was the difference maker. I mean, his receivers made some great plays. Yeah. But I mean, specifically about the two-point conversion, Zay Jones ran an out route to the to the front of the end zone. And he didn't run a great route. He didn't get much separation, but the throw was where only he could catch it. If it was going to get caught, it was only where he could catch it. So um, Trevor Lawrence had a big day, bro. He went 29 for 37. He had 300 yards, three touchdowns, and obviously game-winning drive and two-point conversion. Um, I don't know if it's so much that, oh, hey, the Jags are good. I think it was more so the Ravens were playing bad. Um, I think the Ravens will be fine. I hope this was a come-out game for Trevor Lawrence, though. I mean, seeing him throw the ball out there to Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, which two players you wouldn't think are having as good of seasons as they're having. But, uh, I mean, he's making it work, bro. So, go Jags. Yeah, Tony, you you think Trevor Lawrence carries this type of success for the rest of the season? Uh, Not necessarily, no. I think it's going to be more ups and downs for him uh, this year. Uh, but I will say this: that was the cl- one of the cleanest uh, game-winning drives and two-point conversions I've ever seen. There wasn't some controversial call or called back interception. Yeah. Th- there was no controversy to it. He just showed up on damn near every play, made a play, got them there, got the touchdown, then got the two-point conversion. I mean, it was just clean and. When I saw that he was getting the ball back with the amount of time he had, I was like, damn, I think that he's going to win this. And he just went and did it. Um, But I don't think this is more indicative of Trevor Lawrence's greatness as it is the Ravens. What's the best way to put it? Their inconsistencies. I really just don't think that this team plays yeah. as good regardless of who's on the team, who's playing from one week to the next. You could put the same players out on the same field against the same team, this Ravens team. Game one and game two look completely different. Half to half, they look completely different. Yeah. Um, And I feel like the offense really just needs to admit that Lamar Jackson can't do everything and get him – a, a real weapon. Um, I think for as good as Mark Andrews is, a lot of what he does mostly comes down to, you know, target shares and volume. He racks up a lot of stats, but I feel like he's not making as big of an impact on the field late in games as other better skill players out there are making. Um, so I think the, and- the Ravens really need to evaluate themselves this summer. Mm-hmm. And Blake's not here to argue it, so I'm a. We can come out here and say this: <laughs> their weapons, other than Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson, are just not there. I mean, look at a team like the Commanders, bro. They don't have as good of a quarterback, but their running back is better. 
or they're producing better, and the receivers are just doing better. So, I don't know, bro. I mean, they, they like like Tony said, bro. They got to do something because. Okay, but well, have I not been preaching this this no, you entire have. time? You have. You're getting your flowers. Weapons. You're I getting your flowers, they and don't that's have why the weapons. They're inconsistent. <laughs> and look, I heard it best uh, on another podcast that I was listening to this morning. It's the same mm-hmm. fucking Ravens, bro. It's the same Ravens that we're gonna get every year that we've gotten for the last ten fucking years. They're good at running the ball. Lamar Jackson's a beast. They play good defense. They have no weapons, and they don't Uh-oh. win in the playoffs. <laughs> and that's my whole point with with them not having enough weapons. Is it's the same Ravens. We know they're good. We know they're competitive. We know they're gonna make the playoffs. Like that's not a question. There's no doubt in that. But it's when are they going to take that next step? When are they going to go to that next level? I'm not saying it to trash them because I think they're trash. It's because I know they're good, but they still haven't peaked. They still haven't, you know, gotten to the Super Bowl or even the AFC Championship game with Lamar since he's been in the league. And and that, that's what I want. I want to see Lamar succeed. I want him to get his contract. But the Ravens need weapons, and that's just that's been my whole point this whole time. But yeah, and that's what I was saying. We could, we, said, could, we could speak about it a little bit just because Blake wasn't here. Exactly, I mean, Pete. I I don't want to disrespect Blake enough to the point that he can't defend his team. But this is nothing <laughs> we haven't said to him. That being said, my team, all right. Right there, my, the Las Vegas Raiders. Two oh wins in God. a row, baby. Sundays <laughs> are fun again. Again. An <laughs> overtime win. Walk off two games in a row against the Seahawks, a team that everyone here liked, that everyone here loves, that everyone had in that 9 to 12 range. All right, they're good defense. They're good on offense. We thought it was a bad matchup. I was a shitty fan, and I picked the Raiders to lose, and I should have stuck to my gut and picked them to win because they came out and they won behind Josh Jacobs, who had 303 scrimmage yards, an 86-yard walk-off touchdown run. He had two total touchdowns. He had six catches for 74 yards. Devontae Adams, seven catches, 74 yards. And I don't care what anybody says. Derek Hart threw that pick on the first offensive play to Quandre Diggs, and then Diggs gets a second interception early in the game as well, and he still bounces back, plays well, and leads the Raiders to their second victory. There's been a lot of talk about the locker room being broken down, that we don't trust McDaniels, but no. Here we are. What did you guys think about this win? Because I think it was a great win, and I think this puts us in a good position going against the Chargers this coming week. I think that um, uh, I think it's interesting that me and Pete were the two people to come out and say Raiders win this. Um, and I said that they were about to go on a run. I think this is the perfect momentum builder that they need to go on a potential playoff run to get them there by the skin of their teeth, finally realize the potential of this offense. Uh, and I think that, unfortunately, the Chargers are a team that the Raiders could definitely sneak up on and give them a hard time. Two teams, historically, that have played each other very hard, especially over the last five to ten years. So 
I think that you you another game where you need to win. I know you got excited about two. Let's try three now. Three wins in a row. Because you're going to need damn near five, it. six, seven in a row to close out this season. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, that they've been building up. You beat a good team. You guys have the secret sauce for beating the Broncos for some reason. So let's see. Let's see what y'all can do against the Chargers. I, I, I don't want to want. Like I don't want to hope that they do it, but part of me feels like that the Raiders are just going to keep this momentum going. They finally figured out something. They're undefeated since Derek Carr cried on national television. So I think they got to keep up. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> they got to keep up. That's my quarterback. They got to do it for Derek, that's man. That, that that's the that's the motto right there. Do it for Derek. Um. Do you guys think? Do you guys think if? Josh Jacobs continues performing this way. Let's say he finishes the year leading the league in rushing. Uh, the stat there was a stat also that came out that Kelsey has fifty-seven first downs this year. Uh, Tyree Kill has fifty-eight. Josh Jacobs has eighty. Uh, do you guys think he he can continue this? He can continue this and possibly win Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, dude, I don't see it out of the realm of possibility at all because he is, he is balling, bro. I mean, I mean, I, I even seen the tweet. I mean, I'm sure I'm, I know you've seen it that he had tweaked his his knee or something in the game or his calf. His calf, and he, he still calf he trend. still pulled off the what eighty six yard clutch touchdown run for the, to win the game. Um, if he can somehow get 200 scrimmage yards the rest of the season each game, I think he can take it from arguably any player. I mean, Tyreek Hill is up there um, at the top of the list, probably for Offensive Player of the Year, or Jalen Hurts, depending where you have him and MVP rankings or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, bro, if he continues this going on, it would be for the, what, the latter half of the season for the most part that – He's put up stupid numbers, bro. So, I mean, it'd be cool to see it keep going, man. I mean, it'd take a little bit of pressure off of Derek Carr, too, because we know, I mean, he's been getting hit pretty hard every game. You know, he goes down, you think he's going to be hurt. But, I mean, he's got a lot of heart, bro. He comes back out there and he finishes the games. So, I think they need to stick with Josh Jacobs. I mean, it was working at the beginning of the season. They went away from it. You know, went on a bad a bad losing streak. They're, look, they're coming back around to it, and now you have won two games in a row. So, I don't know how it's that hard for the coaches to realize, give the ball to Josh Jacobs, whether it's through the air or on the ground, just let him touch the ball more. Yeah. T Tony, not just as a player and what he brings to the field during the game, but what he brings to that locker room and what he means to the rest of the team. Do you think that the Raiders should just pay Josh Jacobs? It's no question. He, he's, He's going to get the bag this offseason, for sure. But do you think the Raiders would be wise to just pay him or franchise tag him and try and make sure he stays? Or what do you think happens with the Josh Jacobs situation? Unfortunately, I think that tagging him is the best idea. Just because I'm not sure if you're going to see the same level of production next year. I think it'd be really hard to follow up how great of a season he's been having. 
Um, but historically, the instant you pay your running back is the instant they get hurt or they start becoming washed. Um, that's just the trend. Yeah. It's just the way that it is. The conventional wisdom these days is don't pay your running backs, pay your receivers and your quarterbacks. So I think it's unfortunate for Josh Jacobs that he's probably going to get either end up signing with a different team or getting tagged. Um, but I think you just got to enjoy it while you have it. And if you can tag him, great. Um, and see what he does next year. And if he's good next year, then you got another year out of him and let him go. Like, it sucks to say because players are people too. And I'm not trying to say that they don't deserve the money they're getting. But from the perspective of a team that wants to win and when you consider what kind of sacrifices need to be made to win, unfortunately, it's those big contracts to running backs that usually don't end up paying out. But... He deserves the money. He got the money, or he doesn't have the He's going to get the money, and uh, I think that it's still going to be good for the Raiders whether he walks or stays another year. Yeah, and I'm just a fan of Jacobs anyway, so I'm happy for him, and I hope he gets paid and he goes somewhere where he's going to be happy. Hopefully it's with us. I would love for him to stay, whether we pay him now or we tag him. But obviously, I would love to see him stay uh, with the Raiders. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our game previews. But, yeah, we'll come back, and we'll see you guys in a second. Jacobs with running room right up the middle. Jacobs is on his way. The Raiders are going to win this game. Welcome back, everybody. Here we go. We're going to get started with Tony. Give us your game preview for your game against the Jets, which has, again, some playoff implications. The Jets are coming off a big win with Mike White. You guys are coming off a big win against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. What do you expect from this game? And give us a score that you think is going to reflect this Mike White versus Kirk Cousins battle. Sure. So, um, uh, Here's what I think about this game real briefly here. I think that we can finally see a multiple score win for the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think they're going to sweat this game out too much. I think that Mike White game two of the season is never going to be the same as Mike White game one of the season. Um, We saw that last year when he had um, that kind of miracle game stepping into the starter role. Um, but we got to remember who he was playing last week. He was playing the Chicago Bears, who since um, some of the big trades they've been making on the defensive side, um, they got rid of two of their best players, two of their captains. They've been the last ranked defense um, in scoring since those trades. So I think it was kind of handed to Mike White on a silver platter. I think Zach Wilson could have potentially won them that game. Not in the way that Mike White did, but it was set up for him to win. I don't know. He hasn't done it at all. How many points did the Bears score? 2.7 inches per play. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I said it in the first part, the very first podcast. Zach Wilson is trash. (laughs) And the Bears defense is trash, but that I'm not trying to talk about Zach Wilson anymore. We got to see Mike White. We got to see the playmakers they have on offense. I think they'll be able to score two touchdowns against us and probably kick a field goal. 
But I think I've got the Vikings winning this one handedly, 28-17 to off the strength of their offense and team cohesion. The Vikings have arguably the best chemistry in the league right now. Everybody over there is having fun. We didn't get too down after the big loss to Dallas. Um, and we came in and we played arguably uh, a more difficult opponent on Thanksgiving. Um, that Patriots defense is very stout. Um, and I think that the Jets don't really have one side of the ball where they kill you, but they do play well on both sides of the ball. And I just think that it's going to be another good game for the Vikings. Look for their other playmakers to have big games because Sauce Gardner is going to keep doing his thing. I think Justin Jefferson might have a little bit of trouble with him, um, but this is a prove-it game. A for, we all want to see. Yeah, it's a prove-it game for Sauce. He's arguably the best up-and-coming cornerback right now. And you've got Justin Jefferson, who is hands down the best up-and-coming wide receiver in the league right now. Um, Without a doubt. So it's a, it's a, it'll be a fun matchup. I'm sure we'll see lots of trash talking. Um, and I'm hoping Justin Jefferson lights his ass up, but I got to be realistic. I think that Sauce Gardner is <laughs> going to do a pretty good job <laughs> of keeping him from going off too crazy, but We'll see what the rest of the defense can do against Dalvin Cook, TJ Hawkinson, and Adam Thielen, and afternoon Kirk. Pete? Yeah, um, I'll keep it quick, bro. I agree with what Tony said when it comes to Mike White. I mean, as much as I want to go out, I want to see him go out there and light it up with Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I just don't know if it'll happen. Vikings are playing good. Um I think it's going to be a little bit closer, though. I don't think Mike White will have a huge game, but I think he will be able to move the ball just because he utilizes his receivers as they should be used. So I think I'm going to give it to the Vikings something close, like 24-21. Yeah, I think it's an interesting game. There's a lot of good matchups. I want to see, obviously, Sauce versus JJ. Uh, You have... Garrett Wilson versus Patrick Peterson. You have Mike White against that pass rush, which I think, you know, is, is going to be the difference maker there. I think because of those kind of key matchups, it's going to be a closer game. It's not going to be a super explosive game, I don't think. But I think I have the Vikings 24-20 winning this game as well against the I am going to give a little bit of a a little bit of a hot take here real quick because I've been doing this here recently. I do think uh <laughs> Jay Jettis has a huge game, though. I think he's going to at least get 100 receiving yards and a touchdown in this game. And I think it's just going to make Diggs look better because Diggs <laughs> held him down. I, I think he has a good game. I, I don't know if he breaks 100. Like I said, I think it'll be a slower-paced game. But I, I I project him to have something like six catches for 72 yards at a touchdown. So, you know, not not bad, but yeah. nothing crazy. I'm, gi- I'm giving him that 100-yard game. Sauce Gardner had a little bit of issues with Chase. Sauce Gardner had a little bit of issues with Chase Claypool, um, and he was holding him arguably every time. So, Jettis yeah. is better than Claypool by a fucking miles. So, <laughs> we're gonna see some gritting for sure. Pete, your yeah, somebody will. Pete, your Cowboys. Speaking of Diggs, are gonna face the Colts on Sunday Night Football. Diggs is gonna be covering what I'm assuming would be Michael Pittman Jr. Your defense is going to be facing Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor, who, again, had another close game in which they lost to the Steelers. 
they're playing better under Jeff Saturday, better than I think any of us any of us expected. But you saw on that last drive or two his inability to game manage yeah. the the game correctly. What do you expect from your Cowboys on prime time on Sunday night? And do you do you let Zeke and Tony Pollard lead the way? I think you just do whatever the offense needs to do to click, bro. If there's if there's stuff in the run and you throw the ball, if they're running a a man defense or something like that, and we just can't get open because our receivers are known for not getting too much separation, then you run the ball. Um, I think either way it works out, we'll win the game. Um, they got to go out there and stop Justin. Uh, I was about to say Justin Jefferson. <laughs> they got to go out there and stop Jonathan Taylor, bro. I mean. We cannot let him run all over us. Um, we've gotten better at rush defense. Um, I'd like to stuff the run and force Matt Ryan to throw it. I mean, he's not mobile at all. They do have a a pretty good offensive line, but, I mean, we've seen what our defensive line can do. So I think we we keep him in the pocket, and if he rolls out, he's not outrunning anybody. So um i think the defensive defense side of the ball will be i think it'll be a great game for our defense as long as they can stop jonathan taylor but oh, yeah. uh i'm probably gonna go with a score of roughly uh give me something like 31 to 14 i like it i do th- <laughs> i do think the colts will come out and uh probably score on their first drive though i think they're gonna stick to the run and Jonathan Taylor probably come out there and get a touchdown. You, you, you know, getting getting a tiny bit off off topic here, but I, you know, I love asking you guys these type of questions. You need your quarterback to scramble ten yards for the first down. Who are you choosing, Matt Ryan or Philip Rivers? I'm going Matt Ryan, bro. <laughs> I, I got Matt Ryan on this That's one, too, That's a fucking horrible bro. question. That's a horrible question. Listen, no, look, how about this, look, bro? Matt Ryan look, or Tom let me, Brady? Let me tell you why Phillip Rivers. Oh, no. Look, let me tell you I why Phillip Rivers. I would take Tom Brady in that. I think I'd take Tom Brady in that one. Look. I'd like to see Tom Brady slide and break his knee brace again, bro. He does it every time he runs. Oh, I'm going to tell you why Phillip Rivers is the choice here. All right. How many kids does this man got? Oh <laughs> man, because he chasing them around the house or something. <laughs> you know this man got stabbing them. Because he be pumping them. He be working. He got like twenty bro, kids. So he got the He got enough to start his own gazelle. football team, bro. Might be slow, but <laughs> uh but <laughs> Tony, give us your score prediction for Cowboys versus the Colts. Uh, man, part of me just wants to be a hater and say the Colts, but part of me wants to die on my <laughs> hill about saying Jeff Saturday is a fucking joke as a coach. So I'm like, stay standing my ground. I'm going to ride with the Cowboys on this one. Give me the Cowboys 24 to 14. Nice little 10 point W for them. Probably give up a couple touchdowns to Matt Ryan and some dumb luck. but. I mean, if the Cowboys lose this game, I feel like we'd all be shocked and Pete would be having a bad day. Hey, the, at least we're we're coming off of a 
a seven, eight, nine, what, 10, 10 game, I mean, a 10 day off streak and they played Monday night football and they got to travel to Dallas. So I'm, we, we better not lose this fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there's necessarily a trap game. I, I think the Colts have been playing well. They've been playing better. But the Cowboys, I think, are just better at, in basically every facet of the game. I think the Cowboys win this game pretty easily. Mm, 24-13, 27-13 maybe. I, I think the Colts still play a decent game, but I think the discrepancy between a good team and a bad team is pretty obvious in this matchup. Moving on to our next game. The Ravens are playing the Broncos. Obviously, the Broncos are just awful. I don't know how Nathaniel Hackett hasn't been fired yet. You couldn't convince me that he shouldn't. You couldn't convince me that he shouldn't be fired. Uh, the Ravens are obviously struggling, a team that we still can't quite decide if they're a top five team or not. And as of lately, they haven't been playing like it. Tony, go ahead and get us started. What do you what do you see from this Ravens Broncos game? Do you think Lamar needs a big game against a good defense here and kind of like prove those critics that relax, we're we're okay. It's just been a, a tough few tough few weeks. If by those critics you mean you, um, I think Lamar definitely needs <laughs> a big game coming in here. Um, but I. I, that's not what I think is going to happen. I do think they'll exercise the demons and get a win here. Another ugly win. Because uh, the Broncos play some really good defense here, and they muck up other teams' offensive game plans. And then, you know, Russell Wilson just can't manage to get the team to score more than 18 points, which is all they would need to be to win how many games now? So I, I think that the Ravens are yeah, going to be the Ravens. I think they would have only had one loss. Yeah. Ravens are going to be the Ravens and the Broncos are going to be the Broncos. And I think the Ravens will get a win here and Blake will be on this show next week. Um, talking hella shit because we talked mad shit while he wasn't here, but he hasn't replied to any <laughs> of our texts. So where's he at? Um, <laughs> so the Ravens should win this game. It would be really funny if they lost. Yeah, Pete, who, who do you got in this? Uh, I'm gonna go with the Ravens, bro. I I just can't pick. I can't pick the Broncos. I mean, maybe if the Broncos have a big game this week, maybe we can pick them for an upset the following week. I don't know who they play, but they're not beating the <laughs> they're not beating the Ravens. So when it comes to the score, bro, I'm gonna have to give it something. I think, like Tony said, I think they're gonna disrupt Lamar's game plan. I, the the team's game plan in general. Uh, Gus Edwards is back this week, I believe. I don't know if he played last week. I think he plays this. He plays this week. So uh, I'm gonna give the Ravens something. Like I said, low scoring game, probably something like seventeen to ten. Yeah, I, I think Lamar has a good game. I I don't think they really have an amazing game through the air. I don't think Lamar's gonna pass for over two hundred yards, but I think they're gonna run the ball well. I think they're going to win pretty easily. I think they end up winning, let's say something like 
28-13. I think the Broncos continue to struggle, and I hope they continue to struggle, and Hackett needs <laughs> to be fired, and they <laughs> suck anyway. So, Moving on to another AFC West team. Actually, an AFC West matchup that could affect both teams' playoff chances. The Raiders coming off two wins in a row are at home against the Los Angeles Chargers coming off their win against Arizona. Whoops. Um, Tony, you're a Charger fan as well. You guys are sitting there at six and five in second place in the division. At this point, obviously the Chiefs have have that number one spot locked down. So we're fighting for a wild card spot. What do you think about this game? And I had three matchups. Josh Jacobs and your guys' god-awful run defense that you're giving up the most yards per carry, I think, in NFL history right now. Devontae Adams and then Khalil Mack against our O-line. Are those kind of those three key things you're looking at? Obviously, outside of Justin Herbert on offense, who should have a, a field day. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? I think it really depends about the health of the Los Angeles Chargers. If they can get Mike Williams up and Keenan Allen gets, you know, his legs underneath them and the offense is finally able to be as dangerous as it was supposed to be going into the season, then I think that the Raiders might might have a rough time, you know, covering all these different weapons and they're going to need Max Crosby to get home on Herbert almost every play to have a, a chance at slowing them down, especially with uh, how good Austin Eckler can be. I've watched a lot of Chargers Raiders games, and I know that there's no real way of predicting them. Um, but the best players on both teams usually step up in big plays. I feel like Max Crosby has a personal vendetta against the Chargers. He loves to rack up sacks against them. Um. I think this game matters for both teams a lot. And the last time we saw a game like that that mattered to both teams a lot um, was the final week game between these two teams that almost ended in a tie. Had a crazy ending to it. Ended up with the Raiders kicking a field goal and sending the Chargers packing for the rest of the year. Uh, <laughs> I don't think the same thing's going to happen, though. I think that the Chargers are going to get the best of the Raiders this time. A little bit of a revenge game. Finish the season sweep. Um, just because I think that the Chargers are finally starting to get a little bit more healthy. I think they're finally starting to click on offense and not make as many mistakes. There's no real fixing the run defense. And I think Josh Jacobs is going to be a nightmare for the Chargers. I think he, he might have another 200 yard game from scrimmage here um just because of he's been, been causing problems for the chargers his whole career so the raiders play hard when they play the chargers but the chargers also play really hard when they play, play the raiders it's some of the most entertaining football so no matter who wins it's going to be a fun game you're going to get to see a, a lot of the team's best players make plays Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, hopefully Mike Williams, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Eckler, Khalil Mack, Max Crosby, 
a lot of big names in this game and a lot at stake. I think the Raiders, you have to view this as a must win. And the Chargers, do they really want to be 12 games in after going all in and being 500? That would be a rough look for them. Um, and they'd have a lot of wood to chop to, you know, they don't even have a playoff spot held down. They're chasing the Patriots right now for that last wild card spot. A win would be big for them going into this. And if the Raiders even want to sniff the playoffs this year, they got to keep the win streak going. Uh, give us a score. Let me give you a score here. 28, 25 chargers. Like it. Uh, Pete, let me keep it short and sweet, bro. Like, like Tony said, I mean, these chargers are getting healthy. I think y'all have a good game, but I think the chargers pulled out in a pretty high scoring game. 31, 28 chargers. I'm with you guys that I think is going to be a close game as well. Uh, unfortunately I cannot give the chargers their flowers in the sense that they were, there were Super Bowl contenders before the season started Justin Herbert was all the rave that he's, you know, the next coming of Jesus Christ himself. And don't get me wrong. I love Justin Herbert, and I think he's going to do great against the Raiders because he's just good against the Raiders. But the Chargers continue to underperform for me. And I, I don't – I'm trying not to say that biasly as a Raiders fan, obviously. But they continue to underperform. They are – they're just underwhelming to me for the most part. And I think there's no hiding the hatred between these two teams. They do not like each other. Both teams like to come after each other. Joey Bosa has a thing for Derek Carr and Max Crosby has a thing for Justin Herbert. I think it's a close game. I think it's a shootout. I think Josh Jacobs runs for over a hundred yards. I think Derek Carr has another 270-yard passing game and two touchdowns. Devontae has over 100 yards and a touchdown. But I think it's going to come down to, just like every other Charger-Raider game, final drive of the game, whether it's the Raiders or the Chargers, just like it was for that play, that matchup leading to the playoffs and the first game of this season, I have the Raiders winning 27-24. Fuck the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that being said, we're going to take our last little break before we jump into our power rankings and give you guys our thoughts on that. We'll see you guys in a few. Justin's back to the air. As he throws downfield, it's hanging in the air, but it's caught by Jefferson again. Welcome back, everybody. Getting ready to finish our last segment of the episode, our power rankings, our favorite and everybody's favorite part of the show. As always, we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. At 32, we have the Texans, who continue to lose. 31, the Broncos, who should be 32 because they suck. Uh, the Panthers are at 30. Saints are at 29. Rams are at 28, but... The way their season is going with Stafford injured, Cooper injured, Aaron Donald injured now, I don't see that team doing anything the rest of this season. They might as well just shut it down and get healthy for next year. Uh, we have the Cardinals at 27, the Bears at 26, Colts at 25, Raiders are jumping up to 24 after the two-win streak, Steelers at 23, Jaguars 22, 
Browns at 21, Falcons at 20, Packers at 19. We don't know what's going to happen there with Rodgers and Love. Lions at 18, Patriots 17, Bucks at 16 after another disappointing loss. I feel like every other week we're saying that they come up with the big win and then they have a disappointing loss. Now getting to the top 15 teams, the Giants at 15, they're just a team that I think is on the outside looking in from here on out. They're, they're, they have a tough schedule having to face all the NFC East teams again, but I think that's where they should be should be sitting is at 15. We have the Chargers at 14, Seahawks at 13 after their loss to the Raiders. They dropped down a little bit. Commanders at 12 who are playing extremely well, I think. They're a team that if they can sneak out a win this week, they might be a top 10 team, depending on how some of those bottom 7 to 10 teams do. Jets are at 11 after that Mike White win. They have that matchup against the Vikings, and that was one of those things. Is There's a lot of key matchups this week. Commanders, Giants, uh, Jets, Vikings that are going to affect – our power rankings a lot, I feel like, this this coming week. At number 10, we had the Titans, who lost to the Cincinnati Bengals this past weekend. The Bengals are at nine, who have won four in a row. They beat the Titans, who are one of our top 10 teams, without Joe Mixon, without Jamar Chase. They're a team that I have higher on my own personal rankings because I just believe that their recent success has been do- has been pretty dominant. But we have the Bengals at 9, the 49ers at 8, which was another hot discussion because I believe they're a top 5 team. You guys weren't quite ready to put them there yet, but they have another playoff matchup against the Dolphins. So this week is really going to help determine, like, which teams are really those top five, top seven teams, those contending teams, and which teams obviously can't quite measure up and compete against the better ones. The Ravens at seven, who to me, if you're looking at the last two or three weeks, have looked like the worst team out of those top 10 teams. That's just my personal opinion. We have the Bills at six. We have the Vikings at number five. Tony, they have that matchup against the Jets. What do you think about your Vikings at five? And is that kind of the, you know, is that kind of that spot that we feel like they should be at? Because personally, I feel like that number five spot is is pretty good for them. They're dangerous. I feel like they can be the top five team but they're not consistent enough for me quite yet. Yeah, I think the fact that the Vikings' two big losses, and they were both pretty big, were against other top five teams here. Now, they did have an impressive win against another top five team. Um, They did face the Dolphins, who we do have in our top five as well. That being said, it was without Tua. Not as good of a test for the Vikings, but um, they've had quality wins. They've had some disappointing losses. But with a 9-2 and two record, I feel like keeping them in the top five is probably where they're going to be come the end of the season. Um, and, you know, 
they could potentially lock up their division here with a win and a Lions loss. Um, being, I th- if that goes the way it goes, they'd be the first team in the league to clinch their division. Very impressive from a team that wasn't in playoff talks last year that was losing a lot of these close games. I think just the fact that they've been able to come out and win close games, um, that's when they're the best. And uh, I think they've earned their number five spot. Yeah, like you said, the Dolphins are sitting there at number four. And they play the 49ers, who I had at, on my rankings, I had the 49ers at four, the Dolphins at five. Mike McDaniels, obviously, is playing his mentor in Kyle Shanahan from the 49ers. These teams know each other very well. Jeff Wilson, who used to be on the 49ers, Mostert, who used to be on the 49ers, he's on the Dolphins. What do you guys expect of this star-powered matchup? With Tua, Tyreek, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki, uh, Javon Holland. What do you guys make of this matchup? And who do you think <clears throat> wins this? Because personally, I think the 49ers, like I said, to me, they got that scary factor. Their defense, they haven't give, given up any points in the second half of games, in the last four games. Their, their offense can win any way, shape, or form. Pete, what, what do you think of the 49ers and the Dolphins? They only put up 13 points against the Saints. And they've played against some bad offenses the past four games. Granted, it's still impressive they haven't allowed any points in the second half. They've played against some bad offenses. They're about to go up against one of the hottest teams in the NFL in general. I mean, they're 8-0 with Tua. They're rolling right now. So I got the Finns in a – I got the Finns winning by at least – I mean, at least at minimum 10 points. Oh, I don't wow. think the Niners can keep. I don't think the Niners Damn. can keep up with them. I just think the Finns are going to go out there and they're going to play good football. And I know the 49ers have a great defense, bro. I just see the pin. The Finns is blowing past it, and just going out there and playing the football that they play. I don't think two is going to get rattled in this game. Uh, I just have high hopes for the Dolphins in this game. We'll see how it plays out. It could be a hot take. We'll see. I just got the Finns going out there and winning by ten. Tony, what do you think of this matchup? Um, I agree with the result, but maybe not the score here. Um, I like the matchup that they have with their receivers versus the 49ers secondary. Um, You've seen a Kyle Shanahan-led defense here not be able to contain Tyreek Hill um, before. And I think that we'll see it again. Tyreek Hill is a top two, top three receiver in this league right now. And I don't think that there's many cornerbacks that can cover him, even with safety help on top. Um, and Tua's a smart quarterback. They got a smart coach down there in Miami. Um, you know, he did work under Kyle Shanahan. I think he knows some of his tricks. That being said, I don't think that uh, this 49ers team is to be taken lightly. I think they still have a, a prove-it game that they need to get under their belts before I'm ready to start talking about putting them in the top five. And I think that this is the perfect opportunity for them to prove me wrong. But um, I think that the Dolphins are legit. I think they've got a really scary offense with a good defense to boot. Um, And I think that they will put up more points than the 49ers will. I've got them winning this game 24 to 20. I've talked some shit about Tua, man, saying like, I guess the arm strength isn't there. The 
accuracy is obviously there in the the mid range game, but uh, I think I'm just I'm starting to put that to rest for him. He's just proved me wrong week in and week out since he's been healthy. So uh, this is a big proof it game for him as well. I know my opinion doesn't matter to anybody, but in my eyes, it'll change my uh, the way I feel about him a lot if he can go out there and beat this defense. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> for some reason, I, like I'm big on the 49ers, but just hearing you guys kind of talk and everything I've been seeing today, like it, I don't know why it makes me want to pick the Dolphins. It, it but. I'm going to stay strong, all right? I, I think the 49ers win this game 17-16. to 16. I think, and I think the 49ers have two touchdowns and a field goal, and I believe that the Dolphins have two touchdowns and a field goal. But I believe the Dolphins miss a PAT, and that's going to be the difference. I believe it's going to be a one-point one game. <clears throat> all right, I'll ask you this, at, Steve. Yeah. Before we go on to the next one real quick. Christian McCaffrey is limited in practice. You know, they said he felt something in his knee. If for some reason he doesn't go or he's playing limited snaps, does that change your outcome? Yes. Okay. And and mainly, mainly for the fact because of the Elijah Mitchell injury. Yeah, I mean, Mitchell's hurt, and obviously they don't got Jeff Wilson back there anymore. Exactly, because if Mitchell was there and – McCaffrey doesn't play or he's playing a limited role, I would still pick the 49ers. But not having Mitchell at all and then McCaffrey either having to play somewhat gingerly or yeah. in some type of a limited role or not playing at all, I think the Dolphins – I do think the Dolphins' offense is for real. I will give them that. I'm with you guys. I've been a Tua hater. Not necessarily hater because I want him to do good. I just don't – haven't seen – anything that told me he was going to be as good as he's been this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've never thought he was bad. I mean, he's – I like him as a player, especially what he's gone through, you know, injury in Alabama, blah, 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 and all that. But I just want him to th- – this will change my opinion on him, bro. I mean, you can't deny what he's done this year. Yeah, no, he's been playing great, and he's in that MVP conversation. Another quarterback in the MVP conversation who has been playing better than a lot of – excuse me, sorry – a lot of people thought he would, is Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I personally think they're our number two, thing, number two team, but we have them sitting at three right behind the Cowboys. Pete, your Cowboys are playing well. It looks like they're starting to figure things out. They just have to execute a little bit better at times. And if they can get someone like OBJ, they can really solidify that number two spot and potentially win the division for you guys. How do you feel about your team so far at the number two spot? And we're, we're creeping up a little bit more, getting a little bit closer into that matchup with that Eagles deep in December. Yeah, bro. Um, I think the only thing, I think the Eagles are more than deserving to be above us in our power rankings at two and us be at three. But um, this is where I differ- differentiate the two. We did lose to the Packers. But we didn't play bad that game. We put up the points. Uh, we just couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers. Since Dak has been back, I mean, we've been playing good. We've been playing really good. The Eagles did have a good game this past week. But they did have two games, one they lost and one where they they just played bad a couple uh, for a couple of games in a row. I think that's the only difference I have. Say we come out here and we barely beat the Colts and they go out there and they can beat the Titans. Um 
whether it's a close game or not, if we lose to the Colts and they beat the Titans or we have a close game with the Colts and they beat the Titans, I think they jump us in my eyes, to be honest. Um, I think they're both neck and neck. Obviously, they only yeah. have one loss. They have the division lead. But over the past, say, four or five weeks, I think we've been playing better overall football than them. Yeah. T- Tony, as your team obviously played them just a couple weeks ago, how do you feel about the Cowboys? Who are you more who are you more worried about in January come playoffs? Because your team lost to both the Eagles and the Cowboys. So who would you not want to play? Who would you feel a little bit more like we use that term less scared of? Who's the who's the scarier team to you? Neither of them. We've seen them <laughs> once, we'll make the adjustments and we'll win the second time. Take a lot of adjustments to make up 37 points, my boy. We're going to beat you 40 to 3 in the playoffs, boy. We're going to get our get back. I don't think you believe that. Well, okay, well, let me ask you this. Who do you think is the better team between the Cowboys and the Eagles? If they played, if they played next weekend, who, who would you pick? I think the Cowboys would beat the Eagles the second time Neither. around. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a tie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think that the you Cowboys, Cowboys will probably win it. Yeah, the Cowboys will probably win it. I think that they saw, they've seen what the Eagles can do. The Eagles didn't get a chance to see what the Cowboys could do the last time that they played. Um, and I think that the Cowboys, the the way they play, I, I think that the way that they play on offense could be a bit of an issue for the Eagles. Eagles' strong suit is really their secondary, and they have good pass rushers. Um, but if, you know the way the Cowboys play is they they can beat you so many creative ways on the ground or with screen passes, just keeping it to like these more contained smaller plays instead of trying to go for big plays. Those smaller plays turn into big plays for them. And I think that that's something that the Eagles have really kind of had a hard time closing down on is shorter intermediate passes and continued, um, you know, rush attempts against their uh, front seven there. I think that that's kind of where they start to lose games. Um, They're pretty good against, you know, getting beat over the top with big plays. They kind of contain that. So I, I would take the Cowboys over them right now. Yeah, no, I think the Cowboys are starting to figure out their offense, and and I I feel like the Cowboys have a higher ceiling than the Eagles do. But yeah, I don't know if they play tomorrow. I don't know who I would pick to be honest. I think it's just just such a close matchup. Whoever turns the ball over the least amount of times probably wins that game. I you could probably flip a coin and it'd be pretty even on who wins. You know, if they play ten times. One team I think that, you know, I feel is a little bit of forgotten that we didn't really touch on sitting at number six was the Bills. I still think they're the second best AFC team. And I know they haven't been playing as well as of recent. And they play much better at home than they do on the road. But I feel like I feel like the Bills are in a perfect spot right now where they've been on this kind of like slow little roll. And now they can kind of remind everybody again, come December and January, like, hey, we're that team that was blowing everybody out. Like, 
you got to pay attention to us again. And I feel like everyone's kind of like forgetting about them a little bit. Do you guys think the Bills can become that again? Yeah, with their roster, bro, I mean, they have the capability. I mean, the biggest issue with them, bro, is they got to run into the Chiefs at some point in the playoffs if they want to make it to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, I mean, that has proven to be an issue for Josh Allen. Um, They're a good team, though. I mean, you have them and the Dolphins. You can have them neck and neck, bro. I mean, they both have high-powered offenses. Uh, I think the quarterback play down the stretch would be – I'd give my side to the Bills just because yeah, Josh, sure. Josh Allen. Obviously, I know what Tua has done this year. I just had to, but I mean, I think the Bills can be dangerous, bro. I mean, maybe this is the year where, like you said, maybe they get hot at the end of the season when it matters, and they can come out there and they can beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Yeah, I, you keep mentioning the Chiefs, and that's our number one team in the power rankings. I don't think any of Again. us really doubt that they belong there. Again, I, and I think they're going to stay there. They're just the most complete team. They're the most dangerous team. They're the scariest team. They have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who are probably the best duo in the NFL right now. Tony. They got a fire-ass matchup this week, bro. They got the Bengals at home. The Bengals. I mean, know, in and Cincinnati. You, and you know what? I actually am going to bet on the Bengals. I would, I would pick the Bengals to win that game. I think Joe Burrow. I think the Chiefs have been on a good run, but I think Joe Burrow is going to make that statement. I think the Bengals are better than the Ravens, and I think Jamar Chase is going to have a coming out party. He's going to score two touchdowns. Joe Mixon might be back as as well again. Tony, what do you make of that matchup, and why are the Chiefs standing, standing strong at number one with other teams wanting to come in and beat them? And don't forget, Joe Burrow has had success against – the Chiefs, I believe he's 2-0 and against them. Yeah, I don't think he'll fool them three times, though. Uh, <laughs> I just think that I just think that the Chiefs, they've been there. They've done that. They're the team with the most championship pedigree in the league right now. Um, and there's a reason for that. And, you know, despite Joe Burrow being 2-0 and against them, you know, he kind of made a fool of them last year, made us forget. Made us not believe, but, you know, I'd be in the barbershops hearing, Pat Mahomes ain't this, Pat Mahomes ain't that. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Pat Mahomes is him. <laughs> he, he's he's the MVP best quarterback right in the league right now. He's going to mm. win the MVP again. And, you know, he's on pace to break that, the NFL record for passing yards in the season, bro. Quietly, quietly, like nobody's fucking talking about. That's it. what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, yeah, I think the right, Chiefs are just. Uh, this is the worst skill position group he's ever had, bro. Like he still got Kelsey, but they've had questions at running back, questions at wide receiver. Dudes coming in and out of the roster, and he's doing it all with Travis Kelsey duct tape in his arm, and they're still the best team in the league. He's. He's hey, scared. Pacheco's Patrick Mahomes nice. is he's low key nice, but would you have been like, oh yeah, dude, Pacheco is some generational running back talent? No, bro, he just kind of no. showed up midway through the season. All five foot four of him. Yeah, and I, I think you still put Kareem Hunt back there, bro. They're nicer. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah, well, Kareem dude. Hunt's nice. Top ten kicker for but, sure. But uh, I do. I mean. I, we talked about our power rankings and how Chiefs are just undisputed at one. 
I do have a – I want to ask you a question who y'all have winning this game Monday night, bro. It's a big game for both teams. I mean, the Bucks versus the Saints. Who do y'all have winning that game? <laughs> I know it seems like a bad game, bro, but it seems like a trap division, game to pick the. It seems like a trap game, and you should pick the Saints. But, <sighs> bro, if the Saints win, every team in that division or three teams are gonna have five wins, where they're gonna all be tied for first place. I'll say this: I I think the Bucks are gonna win, but if the Bucks lose. They're not making the playoffs. And I said that when they when they lost to the Ravens and they've continued to struggle since then. But I think like, yeah, if, if you lose to the Saints this week on Monday night, yeah, I don't I don't know if you beating anybody in the playoffs, even if you do make it. I mean Man, it's if I'm not mistaken, bro, the Saints could jump into the number one in that division if they beat the Bucks and Pittsburgh loses. I mean Pittsburgh beats Atlanta. Yeah, that's I mean, ridiculous. They'll be one and one against the Bucks because Brady finally beat them in the regular season. But I think the Saints would take over that number one seed and well, what? the division lead, I should say. Man, give me the Saints, bro. Yeah, I, th- I think the win. Saints. That's what I'm saying. I'm taking the Saints this week, bro. <laughs> give, me, give me the Saints, bro. Nah, bro. I feel like Jameis Winston's gonna get his job back halfway through the game, and they're gonna be eating a W. <laughs> he about to eat oh. them dubs against the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, bro. It, it's gonna be the goofiest game ever. Uh, Alvin Kamara is gonna like fumble on the goal line, but dive on it for a touchdown. <laughs> And that's, that's the difference right bro. there. Some goofy ass. Bro, they like really that. could beat the Niners, bro. They really could have beat them, but Alvin Kamara fumbled fucking twice and once in the goal line. Like yeah. that cannot happen against the Niners team, bro. They were there. They they were within distance to beat them. Crazy. Yeah. It, I mean, it'll be it'll it'll be an interesting matchup, but I think that's just one of the many interesting matchups that we're gonna see this coming week. That we've talked about it. That pretty much wraps up the power rankings. Hopefully, Blake is able to join us next week and defend himself against his Ravens. Hopefully, the Raiders come out with the win against the Chargers. And the Vikings can come out with the big win against the Jets. And the Cowboys can come out with the win over the... Are you guys playing the, the Colts? The Colts. So Have all four of us... We've got a schedule in the league these next three games. Come on now. <laughs> Have all what? Uh, Have all four of us gotten a dub on the same week? No. I don't, I don't know. think so, bro. I don't think so. No. It, it should have been this week, but the Ravens happen. fucking sold. <laughs> <laughs> Even the Raiders won, Blake. The Raiders. <laughs> bro, it's crazy because the, the audience doesn't know that Blake was fighting for his life about the Ravens before we hopped on air the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> There's like 20 minutes of Blake fighting for his life. And y'all, y'all, some demons convincing me to defend your teams <laughs> in this shit, bro. Y'all, y'all get me on the, y'all get so passionate. I hop on the bandwagon. I'm like, yeah, bro, the Ravens, they got, they got the same <laughs> level of weapons as the Bills, bro. Just lay like, lying through my teeth. <laughs> oh. uh, we love you, Blake. Man. That being said, guys, we want to say thank you to everybody for joining us. If you're listening on us, 
If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or if you're watching us on YouTube, we appreciate it. And we hope you guys enjoy this coming this coming week's games, and we'll see you next week.